world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe and here we are good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you're in the world my name is josh that is david whitehead this is the red pill project's conversations on the fringe this is where we talk about those things that aren't talked about in normal society the things that usually aren't brought up in normal conversation unless you're probably talking to me And the things that David and I have been studying and researching for well over two decades, this uh, this conversation tonight is going to be one of high interest for a lot of people out there. We're going to be talking about occultism, royal bloodlines, um, Queen Elizabeth, the royal family of Windsor, which is actually not the family of Windsor. It's Saxo Cobart Gotha. Um, And so, yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. This is going to be absolutely awesome. And so we're talking about bloodlines, royalty, divine right to rule, all this stuff, occultism. David's got some awesome slides, and I'm just going to really just hand it over the reins over to him. He's got tons of content for tonight. Dave, how you doing, man? Josh, always good to be here with you, man. And you're the man to do this show with. By the way, I love your shirt. I, I got to get me that. one of those. You're big That bro. is legit. It's true. That's why. It's funny because it's true. Yep. Um, and yeah, we're talking about what everybody's talking about. I can't even check the weather in Canada and I live in Canada. I know tough life, but Hey, here we are. We're surviving. Um, and you can't even check the weather network without seeing notices about the queen. I think every human being on the face of the earth 
knows about this. The queen, according to the mainstream media, recently passed away mm. after 96 years of reigning. And uh, we're going to get into the whole history from a different perspective than I think a lot of people have heard. Although I know you have a very educated audience, Josh, and I'm glad to be here with all of them as well. And we want to see your comments. We want to hear your questions. We want your loud screams as we go through this, whatever it's going to be. We want to hear it. Um, and uh, we're going to go and look at the occult history of the Royals and how they tie into the vast secret society networks and how they are contributing and have contributed for many decades and centuries to the unfolding global conspiracy. That's it, man. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, apparently she died. Now, this is interesting because y you texted me something um, pertaining to the funeral procession. They do it 10 days, day zero to day 10. Um, and you said this is the most ritualistic family in, in the history, right? And That's I said... Right then why did they just delay day zero? So people that don't know, is apparently she died yesterday. They delayed day zero, the start to the, uh, the funeral processional cycle, till today. And then I went and looked at the calendar, and do you know what today is, tonight is? Oh, I know yesterday was the full moon. Nope, What's today tonight? is the harvest moon. Today's the harvest moon. Today is the harvest moon, day zero. Ah, so, so I don't even, it with the lunar calendar. That's right. I don't even yeah. think that she, I think she probably died a few days ago or probably a week or so. But some I people think, think she's been dead for a year, two years, three. It's been because I mean, remember that address mm -hmm. that came out for Christmas? I think it was or something recently. And it looked all CGI. Looked, it was all CGI. It was, and they were talking about it on uh, BBC News. They're like, "Isn't it cute? It looks like the real queen, but we all know it's not." <laughs> oh, and I was like, God. "Well, why isn't it?" Yep. Yep, full moon is, well, some people are saying the full moon is on the 10th, but you have two days of a full moon. Uh, but it's the harvest moon, and I think they wanted to get it as close to that as possible. Um, you know, interesting thing, and um, the, the word monarchy is when we start looking at the word monarchy. Um, and this is kind of an esoteric type of lesson people learn, is that the word mono, mon, moon, comes derives from the word moon. So moonarchy is moon rule, and the divide divine right the rule comes from those who are represented by the moon because what is the one object that sits between earth and the sun or the sun as in being the occult god it's the moon and so if you represent the moon you are the divine right the divine lineage to the earth and the sun to rule over the earth the moon rules over the earth so this is where we get this derivation of this word monarchy which i think is pretty cool and then i found it interesting that they're throwing her death Day zero on the day of the harvest moon, which is even crazier. But uh, yeah, dude, this is this is well, crazy. They are. It's good you brought it up. And these are the things that we look in. We're kind of peering in from the outside. We're just part of the surf class, you know, right. number one. So Plebes. we're just kind of looking up at the hallowed halls of the elites of the world and trying to decode all of their crazy symbolism and ritual nature. And we've been saying this for a long time. Uh, every time I've come on this show, and of course, I've been talking about this a lot with my good friend, Michael Tessarian, who I mm -hmm. host the Unslaved podcast mm -hmm. with. Check it out at unslaved.com. And I'm going to be leaning on uh, some of his research today, just giving you a few snippets of things that you can expect to find at that website. And the reason I promote someone like Michael is that he is basically, for those that don't know who he is, he's a collector of rare pieces of information that 
99.9% of people, even in this movement, have never read before. He's a chronicler of our mm -hmm. time, and uh, he's got loads of sources. And when we look at symbolism, oh my God, a whole thing opens up when you start studying the royals. And so we've got what we see on the surface, just like so many other things. And then there's what's going on beneath the surface. And I'm more interested in what's going on beneath the surface. And this could all just be a boring symbology, esoteric um, history, history lesson, unless it was very relevant to right. what is happening in the world. And we all know that we've got now Prince Charles, King Charles. He's the, he's the new king. And there's some symbolism with just the way the ancients used to do these things where a king would pass the torch to another king or a queen to a king or vice versa. And so part of me wonders if some of the freaky things going on with their calendars has to do with it's not just a normal situation. This is a huge moment in the royal history where the queen is passing the baton to the king. And all of this stuff has an origin that didn't originate in what we're taught we're not we're not taught about the origin of these ideas and so when we get into why are these people still around even like number one that was my question like most people go does the queen even have any power like she's just like a decoration right no. or you know why do we even still have monarchy it's the 21st century you've got prime ministers now we got we got people like justin trudeau now we don't need the queen and you find out well trudeau is just one of the little glove puppets of the governor general um, who is actually an emissary of the royal family of Britain. And then we keep going up the hierarchy because it goes well past them as well. And you realize, wow, uh, there is something going on in the world that does involve these various families. There's a history to these families. There's a history to the ideas that they espouse. Um, we've got the reason this is also relevant is that we know that Prince slash King Charles is good buddies with the WEF. He's out there promoting the climate uh, stuff he's out, even though he's flying around in his own private jets or whatever. And he's also really talking about a lot of the things we hear people like Klaus Schwab and all the world leaders talking about. He was a big advocate for the COVID policies. He basically falls in line with your typical globalists. A lot of people talk about the globalists. And so what I start to think is a lot of these people, if you're seeing them on camera and you know, their names, they're not the real puppet masters. They're not the real uh, people that are running this, but they are at different levels in the hierarchy. And really quickly, we just have to explain briefly how this works. I've done this before, but the idea of compartmentalization is really important when we get into this. And that's a military term. You know that very well, Josh. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just there's different compartments where within that compartment of knowledge, those people in that compartment only know what they need to know to get their task done. And that's used for efficiency purposes, but it can also be a really good way to keep people only in the know enough so that they do what they're supposed to do, but they have no idea that they're a cog in a wheel and they don't even know where the wheel's going, who, who made the wheel. They don't understand what's going on at the top. And um, so, but when we get into the Royal family, I think a lot of people, especially in the conspiracy movement, they demote them. They just go, nah, they're nothing. It's all the Rothschilds. It's all these bankers. And it's like, yeah, they got a lot of clout for sure. But um, we'll get into it a bit. But right away, you have to understand that those bankers 
um, were actually hired. Those though they were essentially employed to manage land and resource wealth by these different aristocratic and royal families. It's not just the Windsor family. This even goes above them. But there are many royal bloodlines in the world. Uh, you can talk about the 13 bloodlines and all that. But there are many bloodlines. And by bloodlines, we mean these are the people that actually preserve their genetic genetic bloodline throughout history. And the way they view it is they are the ones who have the divine right of kings and queens to rule over the rest of us who are a mishmash of genetics, a mishmash of bloodlines. We're the, we're the what do they call us? The What does Hillary Clinton call us? The deplorables. Deplorables. Uh, Trudeau calls us the small fringe minority that unacceptable views. In the ancient times, they called us goyim and and serfs and slaves and you know the work. We're the help, you know. And so they look at themselves as separate from the rest of humanity. And there's a lot of indications that that's the case. And my final thing for this opening is that. What we're seeing, and I'm surprised to even see it from a lot of people on our side, a lot of people fighting for freedom, especially in Canada, where I live, which is essentially a vassal state of the British crown, um, where there's still that we were all born and raised with the lovely queen. She was the, the maiden, the goddess, the benevolent one. Um, first of all, this woman has had nothing but 100% positive press coverage for her entire career, um, and that to me is very interesting. How do you get that kind of press coverage where there's literally nothing negative about you by the mainstream press and look at who's all coming out to do the fake crocodile cheers, the virtue signaling like they do with everything else about the queen's death. Well, it's all the people that just lied to you, locked you in your homes, looted your economy and are trying to sell you the next carrot on the stick. And so I got questions and that's how all this research for me started. I know that's how it started for you. But we're going to look into these questions and see if there's any answers to them. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. This is uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, you know, there's there's so many aspects to cover because you mentioned there the the positive news coverage about uh, the queen, and you, you got to remember there's there's certain scandals that have happened at uh, Buckingham Palace. I mean, they found a body of a 15 year old missing girl, um, you know, on the yard. Right there in Buckingham Palace, and nothing ever came. There was no news coverage. Nobody was pointing the finger at the the queen. She had a um, she had a a young black gentleman that was in her room, found in her room, and they just said, you know, oh, it must have been someone who just wandered off the streets and just somehow got into her room, and they they had the authorities come and they took him out, and he's like, I don't know how I got here, and you know, the question there is is if you or I walked in the Buckingham Palace, do you think we could make it up to the Queen's bedroom? <laughs> like, I don't think James Bond could get into Buckingham Palace, exactly. all right? Exactly. And, and that's the key, is that uh, he was most likely ordered up like a menu. And that's how these people treat us. If you remember a few years ago, they were talking about how the Rothschild sold, uh, I think it was Reddingham, uh, Reddingham Forest in uh, Bavaria. And it was this 400-acre forest that they sold, and they sold it for, um, you know, 90% less than what it was actually worth. But apparently this was the hunting grounds for the Rothschilds. And the hunting grounds, what I mean by that, this is where they would take human beings, people, and say, if you can get away, you can get away, but if we catch you, you're dead. And they would go out and actually hunt human beings on these lands. And it makes you think about that 15-year-old girl that was found a mile outside 
on the grounds of Buckingham Palace. Yeah, good points. I'm glad you brought that up. I was even thinking about that story, and I was thinking, well, there's two scenarios. The story about the 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 young boy that somehow wandered into Buckingham Palace without the guards stopping him and made it all the way up to the Queen's bedroom. Like how to, and you think, okay, either yep, they're ordered up like a menu, maybe Pizzagate is real or something like that, um, or the whole story is just planted by the media to make it look just to keep. Uh, keep the public view of these figures intact. It's optics. Optics are extremely mm -hmm. important when it comes to these people. Uh, there's a reason we've been worshiping these people. And most people you're going to talk to are like, how the hell could you possibly say anything negative about the Royal family? And then you'll meet other people that are a little bit more red and they'll go, oh, well, obviously there's something here. Um, you'll even confront the sort of radical lefties that are all cheering on the death of Queen Elizabeth, but for all the wrong reasons. You know, they're coming at it from their particular worldview where literally anybody that is any status or achievement above them is is just dog shit, obviously. Um, so there's there's extreme camps everywhere. There's even a lot of fractured uh, elements within the alternative research community over this. But that is to be expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're essentially detectives trying to solve a, a crime or multiple crimes that have been committed where the perpetrators of these crimes have not been brought to justice. And and that's it. That's where we are. So when we hear these stories that sound like fables and myths and legends about hunting grounds, and then you watch how many Hollywood movies, Josh, could we list of them talking about like Hard Target or Jean-Claude Hunger Van Games. Damme. What's that? Hunger Games. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the biggest one, right? Hunger Games. Uh, how many films have been made about these elite hunting grounds? Even um, there mm -hmm. was a, a great film that I actually posted on my Telegram channel uh, a couple months ago called The Conspiracy. It was made in Toronto, Canada. It's a really well done film. You should check it out. And it's kind of like a Blair Witch Project version of a guy being a journalist going down the rabbit hole and learning, oh my God, all the conspiracies are true. And they end up going to this uh, elite party, kind of like a Stanley Kubrick kind of, you mm -hmm. know, end of the night party. And uh, not that he held the party, but I'm thinking Eyes Wide Shut, he produced the film. And they go to this party and it turns out they're doing a Mithraic ritual <laughs> and they are Mithraics and they call themselves, what do they call them? Tarsus is the name of the club. And they end up, be they thought they got this invitation through a buddy of theirs and it turns out they were brought in to become hunted by this party. Oh, that, that's part of the initiation ritual. If you can survive the hunt, you're in. If not, you're a sacrifice to Mithras. So there's there's this kind of stuff. There's the lore of it. And then there's the reality of it. And there's mm -hmm. the history of it. So if you can't really go, oh, I've got the camera footage of Queen Elizabeth doing yada, yada, yada with some young boy in her bedroom or whatever... But what you can do is look at, well, what is the general track record of these aristocratic families, especially from Britain um, and nothing against British people? I want to make that very clear. This is to do with specific classes that actually infiltrated your houses of power, took over the crowns illegitimately. We can hmm. get into some of that and uh, are, are using your good name against you. Um, that's a totally different thing. But either way, we're dealing now with Look at the world we're in. And one of the biggest pieces of evidence that I have to remain suspicious of these elites and these politicians and these royals and these secret societies is look at the state of the world. Look at the state of human freedom. Look at the state of our economy, which was just looted blind yet again, yet again, because we can go through a whole history lesson on how it continually happens. 
and then look at the track record of these elites. Now, final thing on that is that doesn't mean all kings, queens, monarchs, and royalty in history were all just universally evil. That is a another nonsensical claim that a lot of people make. It's an easy conclusion to jump to by sort of the common people. But the, there is something called a benign despot or a a good ruler. There are many good rulers that actually were trying to fight against these cabals from infiltrating their own ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I pointed out before some quotes from people like the Duke of Brunswick in the 1700s who came out in the 1700s warning all of the Freemasonic lodges uh, that they had been infiltrated by a dark sun cult. That's his quote. And he said they were well-versed in black magic hypnotism and electromagnetism and i thought really that's interesting and he goes we need to disband all of worldwide freemasonry to quarantine the situation that's how bad the infiltration is and so you think all right if that was kind of whistleblown in the 1700s and there are many other letters some of them are yet to be translated but they're there other other people i've spoken to who speak swedish and whatnot have looked at it and they're like there are many letters from other aristocrats who were good, who were trying to actually uh, do good and be sovereign rulers over their people and encourage their encourage humanity, and that they were warning their other fellow elites were being taken over by a criminal network that is not from here, that is not our, that's not part of our blood. They're their own clique. They were warning each other about this, mm-hmm. and so that was the stuff. I'm just giving you the history lesson. Think 1700s in Europe. This is what's going on. And then 1776, we have the Bavarian Illuminati started by Adam Weishaupt, and we also have the founding of America, which most of the founding fathers, love them or hate them, were Masonic and connected in many ways to a lot of these people. Now, that doesn't demonize all the founding fathers. It just shows you that there was a battle happening at that junction in American history that dovetails into a previous history of these aristocrats and these royals. And so it's not all just one shade of gray. When we get into this kind of research, we're going to get very specific and try to figure out what's really going on at the top of all of this. Oh, man. I mean, there's so much to break down on what you just said there because you just went over. One thing that I've always talked about, at least in the sense of occultism, and you have to do this anytime that you're going to talk about modern-day occultism or esotericism, is talk about how... In the 18th and the 19th century, there was a movement out there by what we would call dark magicians to hijack all the relevant secret societies in the world. And this was basically to begin the infiltration within academia, within politic, within world and and governance and leadership. And they started, and you're just talking about in the 1700s, George Washington said the same thing here in the United States of America. He was against having Freemasonry um, lodges here in the United States of America. And now they portray him as a Freemason, even when he was very, very adamant against it because of the infiltration in 1791 by the Bavarian Illuminati, which they said was nothing but a big conspiracy. It never happened. Adam Weishaupt, oh, no, it was all just, uh, it never left Bavaria, all this stuff. And um, we have to understand is what they do is they go in there then and they pervert and they invert. They take That's symbology, right. they take mythological uh, mythology, lore, they take all the mysteries, they pervert and they invert. Um, Nazi Germany, Nazi occultism is one of the prime examples of this. The, the symbol of swastika, 
right? This is a massive inversion of a symbology that is ancient to humanity that predates probably the majority of the symbols on this planet, at least the Christian symbols and Hebrew symbols. And you've had this inversion of this symbology, and that is incredibly um, critical to understand because symbology itself has a life force to it. And I don't know if people understand this, but there is this kind of connectedness that, that we have with things that are symbolic in nature. Our thoughts are symbolic in nature. Our, 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 our language is symbolic in nature. Our, um, our interactions and relationships are developed. Everything in this universe develops through an exchange of energy. And symbols have this, this aspect to them to where they hold and contain information. And that information is energy. And it can be inverted. It can be turned dark. And that's what the swastika obviously has done. And various other symbols have been hijacked by these guys. And what they do is they use it against you. This is why our modern day society is livered, li- sorry, not livered, littered with these esoteric and occult symbols all around us because they're throwing it in our face and they're taunting us because this gives them the right to rule over us due to our ignorance and our nescience. I'm so glad you brought up symbolism because, and, and the way you describe that, actually I'll rewind before we get to symbolism. Mm-hmm. You were saying something really interesting, which is that these secret societies, there was an, there was a campaign to infiltrate using spycraft and espionage, which is an ancient, ancient practice. You should watch chapter eight, cult of the medics. I cover this. It goes all the way back to the ancient Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans. There's a knowledge of how to infiltrate and use asymmetric warfare strategy to overtake your enemy over a slow period of time, especially if you are the weaker uh, opponent. If you're the weaker guy on the chessboard, you can't just go and face these massive armies, you know, so you go and you infiltrate. Well, if they want to take the seats of power, they can choose to become a Napoleon, become a whatever, and make a massive army and just throw everything you got and just conquer the world, you know, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great styles or whatever, or British Empire styles. And the British Empire learned, um, and by British Empire, again, I'm talking about this core elite group that used Britain for, I think, not because they're British in the way the average Joe at the pub is British or somebody's British Mm -hmm. or the culture of Britain. We're talking, they just like America, it's the same with America. They infiltrated America to be able to wield the power of the American military, right? And... Even when we talk about American bankers, if you read like Dr. John Coleman or Professor Anthony Sutton talking about who financed the rise of Hitler, the rise of Stalin, uh, the exchange of prisoners over the Canadian or the exchange of bringing these guys over the Canadian border in, and getting the Bolshevik revolution started, who financed that. Uh, we talk a lot about American and British bankers, but they're not actually American and British bankers. They work for the crown and the gown and the agencies, but their own lineages, they would never identify themselves behind the lodge door as being, I'm an American, I'm a Briton, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jew, I'm a Democrat, I'm a a right wing. That's for the marketplace. They created that to keep you guys, us serfs under control. That's a management program. These guys are globalists. They are internationalists. They hold no allegiances Mm -hmm. to the flag of Britain, to the flag of America, to the flag of Canada, Australia, New Zealand, China. doesn't matter. They hold no allegiance to you. You know why? Because they don't see themselves. This I'm talking the elite here. They don't see themselves 
as being a part of you. They see themselves as separate. They don't. They created what you think your country is. That's how they look at it. Or they overtook it, infiltrated it, took it over, and now they own. Like with Biden, look at all these guys usurping the throne. It's as age, old as history, right? So if we've had in the past many, many document uh, documented cases of different, uh, you know, that the the spoiled brat in the family who could never get the crown. You know, think of a Prince John sort of mythological. Prince John stealing the throne from his older brother, King Richard, while he's out fighting the wars. These are the emperors that have no clothes that we're going to talk about, that are wearing the signs and sigils of your country, of your religion, of your favorite team. And they are very, the one thing they are really good at is speaking to your child brain. Mm. And the way they do it is through symbolism and the symbolism of speech. They use word spells. Actually, when you think of the word spell, like a magic spell, uh, when you put a word on a piece of paper, you spell it, right? You spell it out. It has to be correct. You can't just scribble a bunch of lines and go, you can read what I'm saying. It has to be specific. It has to communicate to a part of your brain where we can exchange information and understand what we're talking about, right? That's a spell. Is there something evil about that? No. It's a tool. When somebody knows how to use that tool as a weapon against you, now we can talk about whether it's good or evil, right? So it's going to be that when we go through symbols here, we've got a lot of symbols to go through. We're not demonizing the symbol. We're not demonizing the institution itself. We're looking at the track record of the people that are employing those symbols and that have become the wielders of those scepters of power and have sat on those Game of Thrones. And all we got to do again is just keep coming back to this point as I'm going through this. And as some people that might listen to this go, I grew up loving the queen. She was the most benevolent, my fairy godmother character in my life. Well, okay, but there's what you see on the surface and there's the reality of it. And, and remember, they know how to pull actually an archetypal part of you and put it and copy and paste it onto a queen, queen Elizabeth or onto a Trudeau or anybody else or, you know, Lady Gaga. And then you now identify with that because it's actually a part of you that they have encapsulated and then superimposed on top of a character that they put on a television screen that you've never met in your life. You've never conversed with this person. You've never seen them when the cameras were off. You've never seen what goes on behind closed doors and armed guards. And you think you know these people and you've made a character judgment and an assessment on people you have no idea in the world who these people are and the lineage, the ancient lineage of these people. All right. The, the power that they wield is literally beyond your imagination. And that's what we have to understand. And then the question will be, are these people that have that kind of power and that kind of antiquity? to be trusted with the fate of the world because here we are with their bloodlines, whether queen Elizabeth is here or gone. Now we got to deal with Charles and the rest of them. And we'll get into, you know, some arguments against people that think the Royals have no power. All right. We'll, we'll get into that. But anyways, there's our mo monologue, Josh, any other comments? And then we should start some of these slides. Uh, you mentioned architect there are um, archetypes. And it's an interesting point to just touch on in the sense of symbology, because symbology derives from these internal archetypes. In a lot of the esoteric and occult mysteries, a lot of the context of various gods and goddesses or stories, uh, the hero's journey, a lot of these things are actually talking about what are called archetypes, as Carl Jung would say. And what these are, are various 
aspects of expression, symbolic expression that exists within every single human being. And they can be very, very predictable. This is why we have things like astrology. And this is really the inner astrology of the self and kind of how the dynamics of that operate. But really what it is, is these various types of characteristics, personalities, attributes, various different energies that lay dormant that probably have just transferred with us through lineage year in and year out through our, uh, our, our, our parents and our grandparents and so forth that express within a human being. And what they do with this various different symbology is they exploit those various archetypes within you exactly what you just said, and they make you relate to them. And this also comes in in the sense of the black magic, the inversion aspect. They relate it to you. They do it through media. They do it through social media. But primarily they do it through the Hollywood. They do it through, you know, the, the, the Disney's of the world, right? And so you're, you're right. There is this magical spell that is put onto people that put them into this dreamlike state and make them believe only what they're told. And what we ask people here is what David's about to go through. Have an open mind. For some of you, this might be new information. For some of you, this might be, whoa, holy shit. For some others, this might be a big red pill. For other people, this just might be a review, okay? But either way, take it as information, not as truth. Utilize yourself, your own cognitive functions to go out there and determine whether it is truth. But what we're, what David's about to show to you and what we're about to show to you here is very, very well-researched information that comes from decades upon decades of investigators investigating the stuff that we're talking about here. So please just, you know, have an open mind. Understand that this information is researchable. It's in the public domain. You can go out there and find it. But you have to do the research. So, David, without any further ado, let's rock and roll. Awesome. That was a fantastic intro to it. And well said. You think for yourself, guys. We're just putting this on the table. Everybody's kind of got their point of view. This is an ancient subject. I'm not saying I've got the final say. And I'm actually borrowing from people who have better minds than me to <laughs> show you the information they've come up with. I'm just a collector of experts. That's what I do. That's what we do as podcasters. We are the new media. So join us as we cover this from the angle that your mainstream media We'll never, ever, ever, ever tell you. Exactly. Okay. And the final thing I'll say before we pop the slides up, I, I, I remember the thought that I was trying to finish earlier that you had brought up that triggered something, which was you had mentioned how the secret societies got infiltrated over time. The way I look at it, think about the video of Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum when he was saying, We have infiltrated. No, well, he didn't say infiltrated. He said, We have the vast majority of influence or something to that effect in the Canadian cabinet, mm -hmm. you know, Justin Trudeau is one of our world economic leaders and that guy over there and Jacinda is one of our leaders and all. And he's bragging about the fact that the World Economic Forum, which is now a pup that you can see it you can go to the website. They're out there talking about a great reset. You're like, what's that all about? These guys are movers and shakers. All right. But they're out in public view and they're actually bragging, bragging. I saw his little smile on his face bragging about the fact that these people have their people everywhere. It, it reminded me of the scene in the first Batman Begins movie when uh, Bruce Wayne's character before he's Batman goes down and he meets Falcone, the big gangster in town. And Falcone's like sitting there going, you're going to walk in here and threaten me? Right over there is the police chief. Right over there is the judge. Right over there is the executioner. What are you going to do? 
mm-hmm. nothing, you know, and, and you sit there and you go, wow. And that was Bruce Wayne's awakening to the fact that he's like, oh my God, it's really as bad as, as we thought it was. They infiltrated all these key positions that are there to protect us. That's why the crime is so bad. The reason things are so bad guys out there, the crime, the poverty, the war, the everything is because we don't have good, moral, intelligent people fighting for humanity, preserving freedom and espousing the truth in those thrones of power. If we did, this world would not be what it is. So that's my number one evidence for conspiracy. So all the people are like, no, is this the conspiracy theory part? Fuck yeah, it is. (laughs) Because this is what it's all about. If there was no conspiracies, we wouldn't be dealing with the shit we're dealing with because we would have good, competent, intelligent people of which I know many, you know many, Mm -hmm. maybe you're one listening that could do a way better job than any of these arseholes, okay? So what I'm thinking with this part of this infiltration is that there was a process that was hundreds of years in the making that was pre-written. We've got texts written, talking, memoirs, communications, letters going back and forth between different people, elite people that were talking about this process of infiltrating secret orders. That was the first hint we got. And we could do another show. I could prove all that and show you those documents. Then you have the the movement from there. I think that's where they targeted it first. They plundered the ancient, magical, spiritual, the true religious system of humanity that was there to empower and uplift and inspire humanity to its greatest heights. They plundered that library of knowledge. They burnt most of them to the ground. They sequestered and stole a lot of it, probably stored it under the Vatican basement somewhere. They packed it away and they got their top nerds to analyze it and pull out the best pieces that could allow them to take power illegitimately. See, because if you want power, go ahead and earn it. You have to earn the trust of the people. You have to be a good moral person. That's where people will allow you to have that power. And then you're going to do good with that power. But if you're going to usurp the throne, if you're going to steal information, if you're going to assassinate your opponents, like the Clinton body count, you know, need I say more, um, you know, on and on we could go, then that is the activity of criminals, cowards, and tyrants. And so if people that we're all gaga-eyed over have that track record, all I can ask is maybe it's time we look at where we're placing our trust. Mm. We've placed our trust in the wrong places. And then when you have the media blaring 24-7, you should trust this guy. Don't trust that guy. That that guy's been fact-checked. He's a conspiracy theorist. He's a quack. He's this. He's that. Don't trust Trust this person who's just a puppet on a string repeating the same script as the other guy in another country doing the same job. And we trust them because we want to trust somebody. And this is where we're going to get into the, the weeds with this. So uh, I think they went secret societies, political houses, Obviously, the economy, they infiltrated the banking houses. They took that over. They looted it back with the Great Depression. That was one of the big key moments in sort of a modern era where they totally hijacked and seized the West. And uh, and then from there, it just gets it turns into a big shit show. They had a bunch of their experiments like the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, Cambodia, whatever. And then now here we are, and they went, all right, we've rehearsed this many times about the world order that we want to create of which all these players have been a part of at one piece or another, whether they know it all or not, we'll get to that. But um, we're going to create a new world order, as they call it. That's their term, not mine. And 
look at the look at the quality of this world order that we're getting it's not kumbaya it's digital <laughs> surveillance transhumanist cult shit all right where no no freedom exists so with that let's look into the lovely history of some of these royals that everybody loves so much let's do it um let me pull up my screen here number one and we're off to the races let me know if you can see that josh we can can all you right. go full screen full screen or is that on my side maybe I hope we're full screen. Um, full screen. There it is. Okay, I got it. Okay, perfect. All right. This first slide, first of all, I mean, this is a painting that was done of Queen Elizabeth, all right? What is the symbol on her black cape? First of all, the black cape. There's We get into the cult of Saturn and everything else. Um, how much of this Queen Elizabeth herself even knew, I don't know. But either way, right off the bat, what's the symbol on her left arm? Tell us in the chat. We'll give you one second. All right, let's look at, watch the chat. What's that symbol right there? What's that cross? What kind of cross is that? Did anybody it's know? It's a cross. We're getting, it's a cross. We got a cross. And away. what's above the cross? It's like a crown. It's the crown. We got the cross and the crown. All right. And someone said Maltese, Knights of Malta, Maltese cross. Maltese cross. That's right. And is that a Christian cross? No. Most Christians would say yes. They would say the Queen of England is a Protestant, like her mother, and she represented the Protestant line after the Protestant Reformation, and she was a goody-two-shoes Christian, right? That's what everybody—she had—I mean, she had bishops that were there at her coronation. Um, it seems very Christian. It seems very Western. It seems very lovey-dovey, right? But the thing, if you look at this cross, and we'll get into it more, notice that it's actually four different sections fused together. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to leave it at that, okay? And we'll get back to it. But this is actually just from like Wikipedia or something, this first bit, just so uh, we can understand her history, where she was. Because a lot of people say the queen had no power. She was just for decoration. Um, queen Elizabeth II was head of the head of state of 16 governments and the leader of the Commonwealth of 53 nations. Her role in Britain is like the president in countries without a sovereign. She delegates the government of the country to her parliament, but is commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the crown. Kind of like the president of the United States, who's also the commander-in-chief of the United States armed forces, right? Um, she is also supreme governor of the Church of England. That signifies titular leadership over the Church of England, Though it is considered to be a Presbyterian, she is considered to be Presbyterian like her mother. So the Church of England, right? Catholic Church. Um, and, you know, so she presides over that. And before we continue on that, that's just sort of like, that's the, that's the fluff version you're going to get from people about what, who, what kind of power she had. Um, what I will say is living in a Canadian country, I have legal books here. I have books of law that were from like the early 1900s. The opening page is an oath and a declaration of loyalty and fealty to the Queen of England as the sovereign. Every single police officer in this country has to swear allegiance to the Queen of England. They don't swear allegiance to Justin Trudeau, by the way. Nobody swears allegiance to Justin Trudeau, especially now. But just ritualistically, even if they love them, they don't swear an oath to the Prime Minister of Canada. They swear an oath to the Queen of England and the crown. And there's actually a difference between the Queen of England and the crown. And we can get to that mm. in a bit. 
Uh, what's another thing I was going to say? So like, yeah, you go to girl guides or boy scouts or whatever you call it, wherever you are. And they're, they're making you swear these little oaths to the queen. You join the military, you join any kind of government service. It's all to the queen of England. You look at the variety of our legal ceremonies. Did you know that in certain courts in the federal court in Canada, you have to actually refer to the judge, not as your honor, like in the States, because the judge in the States is supposedly supposed to be operating in just as a form of honor representing law, uh, you swear, you, you, you recognize this judge as your worship, your mm. worship, religious language, language of the Royals, you know, all throughout the system. Um, and so I think that these Royal families sit at a certain level of the hierarchy. They're definitely not the top. There are, it's kind of like, think of the Vatican. You have the white Pope, the guy out front, right? You got your Pope Francis. And then you've got your black pope, who's kind of like, you know, the shadow behind the, the the throne, the worm tongue, right? It's very similar, I'm sure. But even that said, they're still well above what a lot of people think. And they have a lot more control and power because they. the reason is, is that the British Empire conquered the world. And the British Empire was a continuation of the Roman Empire, which was a continuation of other ancient empires. Uh, we can get into all that. But um, they're managing the wealth of this empire and the wealth that they have is land resources and mineral wealth. And they also have, you know, gold and assets and all that kind of stuff, but they actually brought a lot of these bankers in the modern time on board because they didn't really know how to manage it in the modern markets. And this is where we get your federal reserve bank of international settlements, these kind of centralized banking institutions, um, that managed, the flow of wealth to the commoner on behalf of a lot of these aristocratic elite families and banking dynasties. So they're all kind of interrelated. Everybody sort of has pieces in this big Rubik's cube of this, how this whole thing works, but never let anybody tell you that the Royals are just there for decoration. They don't <clears throat> matter. They don't have any power. They definitely have power over you. They definitely have power over your mind. And the fact that the vast majority of people right now are worshiping these Royals. Um, and then I think they also have a lot more political clout and influence than we realize. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Next, got a little reading for you. We're going to get through this together. This is from an article that you all have to read. If you go to michaeltessarian.com and you look articles up, you want to look for an article called the black nobility, because when you get into studying the black nobility and we could do a whole thing just on that. And we have done that on unslaved. Um, this opens up the door of history as to where these people even came from and who their progenitors were. Okay. So really quick, Michael's here at a certain part of the article. He's referencing the work of Ralph Ellis, who can't recommend enough on a lot of these subjects. He's written numerous books on this and he wrote a book about Mary Magdalene and the house of orange. Okay. And so Michael's saying here, as Ralph shows in his book, Mary Magdalene, the House of Orange, this is very uh, pertinent to a lot of Irish people that might be listening, is related to the descendants of the Hyksos nobility, who after their exile from Egypt moved to Partha in eastern Iran. From this region, they relocated to Syria in 4 AD, after which they are to be found in the province of France. In the 17th century, after their conversion to Protestantism, they married in with the Dutch branches of the dynasty and crossed to Britain, where they became the ruling monarchs the Windsors. So just a really quick synopsis of how we got to Windsor. And I got more on this too. Continuing, he says that this family is really an ancient network descended from notorious pharaohs of old. And 
these royals have never really hidden the fact that they consider themselves the lineage that goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. And that might have something to do with why you're seeing Egyptian obelisks all over the Western world, including America and Britain. I've been to Cleopatra's Needle um, and I, I've seen it down in England. Uh, the royal, the Egyptian symbolism that's all over the Western world will blow your mind. It's on your money in America. It's all over the place. And you've got to start to ask yourself, if we're supposed to be this Western British system, what the hell are we talking about Egyptian pharaohs for? Well, it has to do with the fact that those were the real, like when these people would look at those Egyptian pharaohs as having the real empire upon which the sun never set. The Egyptian pharaohs ruled longer than our span of history from what we think of as Egypt to now. They ruled longer than that. So these Windsors are new kids on the block. These elite royal nobility families are literally compared to the ancient pharaohs of Egypt, the new kids on the block. And they idolize them. That's why you got Madonna dressing up like Egypt. This is why they keep showing this homage and not to just Egyptians in general or ancient Egypt in general, but specific nobility families within Egypt and specific ancient cults that emanated from Egypt. Okay. And this is why you're going to see all this stuff throughout all of their, their little coronations and stuff like that. Okay. Just quickly want to break that down. So this network extends across Europe and the world, the black nobility are, and they're called black by the way, not because they were African or anything like that. They were known as the black nobility because of their black deeds, meaning their evil fraudster, criminal, horrible thing deeds. Okay. So that's why they're given the name black nobility. Okay. Um, and so the network extends across Europe and the world, the black nobility to be found and listed as rulers of Italy, Sicily, Spain, Portugal, France, uh, Lorraine, Greece, Switzerland, Belgium, Holland, and Britain. Among the bloodlines are the houses of Hanover, Habsburg, Lorraine, Guelph, Nassau, Hesse, Guys, Est, Savoy, Marlborough, Grossenvor, etc. And this is where you're starting to get into what Fritz Springmeier talked about as the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. Mm -hmm. um, there's more than 13, okay? But you got to get into the history. So Prince Philip, who's now going to be our king, is of the houses of Oldenburg. The queen mother was the Bose Lion family. Bose Leon family, Leon, the lion, right? That's why you have a lion and a unicorn on their crest. Queen Elizabeth is the descendant of the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha dynasty. And Prince Charles, which is German, by the way, and Prince Charles is a descendant of the Mount Battens, who changed their name from Battenberg to disguise their Germanic origins. And the Mount Battens would make the Rothschilds look like a little piece of lint if you were to compare <laughs> wealth, acquisition, power, and knowledge. Okay, just right. so you know. There's a lineage to everything. Now, here's a quick quote from Nicholas Hagar, who I can't recommend his work enough. This is a scholar. This isn't just some ragtag conspiracy, Joe. This guy came from outside of the academia when he started to realize these connections, and he started writing some really, really good books. So write his name down, Nicholas Hagar. And he says, William of Orange's forebears came from the town and principality of Orange on the left bank of the Rhone to the northern Avernon of French. France. In the 13th century, the Counts of Orange called themselves princes, and in 1544, a Count of the German House of Nassau, whose Lawn River bordered with Palatinate, sorry, my pronunciation isn't as good, William the Silent became Prince of Orange as William I. He had extensive holdings in the Netherlands, 
stuff going on in the Netherlands. And on the death of his cousin, Rene, in 1544, he inherited the combination of wealth of the houses of Nassau, Breda, and Chalon Orange. So they're just giving you, I'm re going through some of this boring history with you because we need to understand just how powerful these people were and how inheritance were passed. And then, you know, slowly, you know, these people got into these different positions of power. Now, really quick to rewind before we get to Queen Elizabeth, we have to look at Elizabeth's great, great grandmother, Queen Victoria. Actually, uh, 45 minutes from where I am is a city named after her called Victoria. And there's a big statue of Queen Victoria. It's a big black statue in front of the parliament buildings. And most Canadians worship the entire bloodline of these elites. They think they were the most amazing people to ever grace their presence. Um, but there's another history that needs to be told. So about Queen Victoria, she was the supreme matriarch of the Black Nobility Network. Queen Victoria was Queen of Great Britain and Empress of India. Don't forget about what the British did colonizing India, right? She was a Saxe Cobra Gotha. She was direct Saxe Cobra Gotha and a descendant of the House of Hanover. And that's how you can easily tell people that go, no, it's the Windsors. Queen Elizabeth was a Windsor. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, but her great great grandmother was a Saxe Cobra Gotha, which is German bloodline. And that's where we can start so that people realize the real history. Um, and she's also a descendant of the House of Hanover. That's another rabbit hole, okay? Which was a key branch of the Guelph dynasty. And if you go right now on Wikipedia, just Wikipedia or anywhere, and just look up Black Guelphs, the Black Guelphs, um, and it's G-U-E-L-P-H, and get into the Guelphs. There's a whole history you can get into there. So known as the reclusive reclusive bat crazy halfwit her favorite statesman such as benjamin disraeli who did blow the whistle about a global conspiracy by the way led the british government and empire in her name almost every monarch in europe great or otherwise is related to victoria including queen elizabeth ii victoria's advisor was the shrewd baroness louise lazan the power behind the throne so to speak so because even these figures as powerful as they are they have their sort of like Jafar characters, the sorcerers that really do the advising and, and they manage the wealth. Victoria and her lackeys made a colossal fortune from the opium trade in China. And it's what destroyed China. And this is actually where you can start the history of how China went from an ancient advanced civilization to a communist system in our modern day, right? There's a whole history before Mao Zedong came on the, street, the scene that has to do with a war over the opium trade. And that, Josh, was one of the key pieces of history that uh, really started to trigger my mind when it came to this big pharma complex, mm -hmm. the medical <clears throat> cult of the medics. Because, of course, the vast majority of your pharmaceuticals are made with what? Opium-derived medicines, opium yep. and, and cocaine derivatives, and a lot of that. If they masked it off of some of these other plants and other things, we would have a totally different healthcare system. But because they literally conquered that whole industry, they brought that into the West. And this is where our history. Well, really and they've never in. gotten out of that business, by the way. No, no, they never have. This is why you get the connections with the CIA drug trade. Yep. Right. Afghanistan uh, war. Iraq. Yep. Yeah. Like it, it's and, and the CIA was founded by Knights of Malta, who are all agents of the Vatican. And there's a connection between the Vatican and the royals. And there's a, that the, the history of it really flows beautifully right up to the present. Right. Yep. But 
just continuing on real quick, Victoria and her lackeys made a colossal fortune from the opium trade. This is one of the main ways that they continue to enhance their wealth that they still have today. They destroyed China in the process. They also destroyed India and other lands in the process because they totally plundered India. These drug lords now control the Americas, the United States being nothing more than an estate of the black nobility's world empire. And that was also quoted from Tessarian's article on the black nobility. You can read more. This is just from Wikipedia again, just to give you a little sketch, because uh, there's something interesting in here. I'd love your thoughts on Josh. So Victoria, uh, May 24th, 1819 to January 1901, was queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland from June 1837 until her death in 1901. It was known as the Victorian era, named after her. So she had a whole era of history mm -hmm. named after her. You must have a lot of pull if that happens, right? Uh, her reign of 63 years and seven months was longer than that of any previous British monarch. Her reign was a period of industrial, political, scientific, and military change within the United Kingdom and was marked by a great expansion of the British Empire. So she was a major key component to expanding the British Empire. We're talking 1800s. Right. So a very important piece of history when you think of the context of American history. Right. And then in 1876, the British Parliament voted to grant her the additional title of Empress of India, because, of course, they conquered India. And the backdrop picture that I chose is actually the memorial state building that was named after Victoria that is in India. Okay. Hmm. Now, really quickly, this is interesting. This is where we get into this weird freaky thing that these people have of marrying within their own bloodlines <laughs> so victoria actually married her first cousin prince albert of saxe coburg and gotha in 1840 their children married into royal and noble families across the continent earning victoria the grandmother of europe title and also spreading hemophilia in european royalty and hemophilia or hemophilia however you pronounce it is actually a known disease that is genetically passed down by royals due to the fact that they are marrying into their own bloodline. And that's this is only what Wikipedia will let you know about. But there are other types of these little genetic things that get passed on to these people, uh, which is why we call them the blue bloods, right? And uh, that would also indicate psychopathy the, the psychopathy sociopathy when they look at some of the traits that when they look at a certain percentage of the human population that is what you would call primary psychopaths meaning they were born with certain centers of the brain shut off particularly empathetic centers you call them a primary psychopath meaning they're genetically born that way and then there's the secondary psychopaths which are created through trauma and whatever mm -hmm. else so these are primary psychopaths, in my opinion, and it has to do with the constant interbreeding with their own races. And I find it funny that everybody kind of makes fun at the sort of hillbillies, uh, you know, the trailer parkers or whatever. Oh, they're marrying your cousin and your brother. <laughs> Who did it first? It was your royal elites that you all get on your knees and worship like they're the gods of the modern world. They did it first. Now, oh, let's before we get to Charles. Yeah. Have you ever done any research on that, Josh, on this passing on of these weird types of psychopathic traits between these elites? Well, you know, hemophilia is interesting as well because this actually uh, it removes certain functions from the blood, um, especially the ability to make clots. Um, and this tells you that right, there's certain it. parts of the hemi, uh, the hemi group that are removed. Now, th this is interesting as well because 
we have the the various oxygen content that is brought into the blood. This is done through the hemoglobin groups. Um, and and so there's like an oxygen deprivation. It's probably where that uh, the, the psychopathy actually comes from is the deviation from the upper, the higher mind because of the reduction in the oxygen content carried through the blood that actually produces that or causes that. And if you were these elites, let me ask you this, David. If you were these elites, wouldn't you look for a solution for that type of, uh, of illness? And, and what, let's just think 19th century, 17th century, 18th century, what do you think would be a solution you would derive if you knew you had a problem with your blood? The blood of children? I don't oh, know. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Think about it. Because they're not going to go and say, well, let's stop marrying each other. Let's start marrying commoners. They're not going to do that. That's right. Right? You would look to use, if your blood has got something deficient in it, you're going to use someone else's blood to produce that. And one thing about children's blood is it's incredibly rich and strong in stem cells and regenerative factors. And they're talking about that on the mainstream news right now, guys. Yeah, absolutely they are. Silicon Valley has multiple startups on this. Yeah. Sandra Bullock is on Ellen DeGeneres advertising, um, like basically, what was it? Like little Korean babies foreskin and they make it into cream for women so that they can get rid of wrinkles. Like Mm -hmm. this is being spoken about as a joke on mainstream television. I saw articles coming out of the BBC and, and the mainstream media last year talking about these different types of solutions to, uh, slow the aging process by taking the donated blood from children under the age of 13 and infusing it with these elderly people to slow the aging process. They're talking about that. We don't even have to get into the dark corners of the adrenochrome industry in order to talk about this. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Right. And here's the thing is where would they have learned that from? You want to know where they would have learned that from is this actually, this disease itself, hemophilia is prevalent within one various type of genetic lineage known as Ashkenazi Jews. Well, I mean, and the Royals as well. I mean, and well, it's that's not what just I'm, yeah, the Royals Jews. as well, it, but it's something that happened. Well, there's also a lot of cultures that this was, this started to become known because a lot of cultures practice this in the ancient world. Yep. Um, and so this, it became known that, Oh, this is why everybody's dying at the age of 30 or 40 from these diseases, or this is why we're, you know, uh, they, they started to learn this. But what's interesting is these royals, I don't think, ever stopped practicing it. I mean, have you ever seen a picture of, uh, what's it, is it Prince Philip, that guy? He passed away, I think, recently. He was the guy that said he wanted to come back as a virus to wipe out the majority of humanity. Yeah, it was uh, Prince... That's the uh, husband of Queen Elizabeth yeah, II. Mountain Batten. Yeah, yeah. The guy looks like literally a walking version he of... He looks skeleton. like incest. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. They all look like... Yeah, in the majority of them do look like incest. Um, and there's various other aspects to this ancestral reign that come about in this, you know, it's interesting because we watched a movie last night, the the house of Garcenia and the female lineage that has basically dominated every Royal family for the last 500 years, including seven out of the 11 current rulers on the world. Well, minus one. Um, and that's the house of Garcenia. And it's interesting that they introduce these various female bloodlines into these other royal families that are interbreeding with their first cousins. They they extend it out. And so it's just – there's so much to pack in here, man. But Oh, I yeah. know, I know. We but don't want to – We can go on so, so many deviations, go but we got slides to do. So let, let's focus on this. But we can we, – let's do the slides. Let's go through this. 
and, and then we can bring in discussions yeah. and questions and all this. Guys, there's a hundred podcasts just out of snippets of this stuff that we could get into. And the reason we don't need to even do those podcasts is because we want you guys to go and pick up the trail and go keep you doing your own research. Mm -hmm. I want to say something real quick though. I did this, I did this whole rabbit hole with the Royals and these secret societies back in like early two thousands and on the internet at that time, I mean, it was wild west. You could, there was amazing people making really, really good videos, really, really good documentaries. And I couldn't find any of them. There's most of them are just gone. They're gone. You just can't even Completely find this information wiped. anymore. They're so not... this is where you got to start getting the microfilm and going to yep. the old bookstores and talking to the people that were there because it's it's getting disappeared. And real quick um, on that point, I went through Rumble, Odyssey, Vimeo, YouTube, and they're all gone. Bill Cooper, Jordan Maxwell, uh, Michael Desarian, all just gone. You can't find really anything out there anymore on any of this stuff. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why Michael wanted to create Unslaved. And yes, it's a paid website, but it's because we're paying for that site to be custom built and to house thousands and thousands of video files that he has kept um, that, and that we're producing and he wanted it all in one place that we had full control over it. Um, so we did preserve as much as we could over there. There's one presentation that he does on this that I'm going to do a few snippets from that I recommend that gets into the Royals. But to your point, uh, this kind of information gets disappeared. A lot of, uh, journalists and whistleblowers that started talking about this over a period of time also got disappeared. So someone somewhere doesn't want this known and no, it's not just because they're trying to protect your mind from a bunch of outrageous conspiracy <laughs> theories. So continuing on, this is the bloke we got to deal with now in the house of quote unquote Windsor, um, the Prince of Wales, Charles the third. Uh, and here he is hanging out with Bill Gates and we all know about Prince Andrew, right? Uh, we got a few things on him. We could do a whole podcast on that guy, but we know about, I'm sure everybody's up to speed on Prince Andrew, the charges against him, the the really crazy BBC interview that he did where he's trying to deny his affiliation with Jeffrey Epstein and all that kind of stuff. And, and the fact that they have all this evidence on him essentially being a pedophile. Um, and the Royals do have a problem with pedophiles. They hang out with the likes of Jimmy Seville, a known, vicious, brutal uh, predator of children and women. And these are the kind of company that these people keep. So you start noticing signs of things that shouldn't happen if we're dealing with a bunch of really amazing people that just care about humanity and are trying to do their best to run the world. There's something very dark going on beneath the surface here. Okay. So this guy's now the king. Um, I want to wait and let it, let it go. Give it a minute before we do a show on him specifically, okay. but uh, just wanted to quickly point him out and just something really quickly. This came, I saw this on Twitter and it's saying, will the new King Charles take a warlike footing to fight the climate crisis? And they're saying that because he said that in a speech a couple of years back where he was saying, we need to take a warlike footing against ch climate change. Okay. So he's one of the climate cultists, maybe even part of the actual groups that created that entire scam because that's what it is and there he is of course hanging out with the good old klaus schwab the great reset architect well he wasn't the architect he just got the book but you know we know how it works all right speaking of prince speaking of prince charles a, a little snippet here these next slides are coming from uh, michael desarian's presentation you can get it on unslaved 
Yes, you have to become a member, but you get the whole library. Uh, this was one of his older videos that he did, and it's called The Queen's Coronation. And what he did to prove the case that people should be questioning what they're looking at when they see the royals um, was he went into the symbolism of the just the ceremony of the Queen's coronation when they did the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. And so this is a slide that's pulled out of that because he brings a lot of other things into it. And he's talking just about the standard of the Prince of Wales. So the standard, meaning the flag that is flown, that is his sign, that's his seal. In the medieval times, the kings, the knights, these orders had their banners, their standards that they you would know who you're going to war with. You would know who they were. It's like their 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 PR team. You know, it's like this is our sponsor, and their sponsor is a lion, the lion of Judah, and this is actually a lion of Aton that goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. Um, you can also note just on the tail of this particular lion, it has a very serpentine like uh, thing, and even spells the letter S to sort of give a little hint to the dragon court, the serpent bloodlines, and the front character that they love is the lion, the unicorn, some of these characters. But really, we're talking about the serpent bloodlines and the dragon kings and queens, right? So the standard of the Prince of Wales at his coronations, this is when he was coronated to become the Prince of Wales. Charles sat upon a throne bearing a red dragon emblem. His mother spoke these words over him. This dragon gives you your power, your throne, and your authority. <laughs> this dragon. Interesting, right? And in the year 1992, Prince Charles actually petitioned the European Union to be made king of all Europe. Well, guess what? That was 1992. Eh, 2022 took him a few decades. But here we are. He is now king of all Europe. Um, next up. This is going to take us through some of the ceremonies. So these are just some screenshots that I took of the presentation. I, I'm just giving you a teaser. You got to watch the whole thing, but a few points. And I'm showing you this because I want, I just want you to know how ritualistic when I'm going to say, these are the most ritualistic people on the planet. There's a reason why. And what they do in their rituals is showing an allegiance to ancient groups, ancient traditions, ancient mystery schools and religions, and even Royal lines that go well before the advent of Christianity or Western culture, any of that, or Britain or America, way, way, way back into history. And here's the opening bit. So during the televised coronation of Queen Elizabeth, the narrator described the anointing ceremony as, quote, a moment so old history can scarcely go deep enough to contain it. Hmm. So he was just sitting there just... You can hear it in the in the court in the in the narration. They're just so excited. This is like a, a historic moment where the what's happening in this ceremony is so ancient it can't even essentially be described in words, right? This curious description tells us that the rite preceded the time of Christ. And we may ask what dynasty or empire known to anoint its kings and queens was so old that history itself cannot fathom it. Is the narrator referencing and suggesting pre-Diluvian empires? So this is just, you know, how far does this go back? Does this stuff go back even further than Egypt or Samaria? Are we talking Atlantean times? Are we talking pre-Diluvian or anti-Diluvian times? So this is where they're saying the queen anointed, blessed, and consecrated. But anointed by whom, under what, 
And who, who is she really serving? Where are her allegiances really, right? They're to these ancient lines. They're not to the British people. That's all for the masses. This is actually known. Her crown, which she didn't use after Trump's visit. Remember that? Mm -hmm. She had to actually open parliament with her travel gear. She didn't even bring the crown with her. And have you ever seen the crazy ritual where every time the queen goes in and she's going to do a ceremony, uh, she's not even going to wear the crown. The crown just sits there. Yep. And there's the crown bearers that do this whole song and dance just to get the crown out of the carriage through the building takes like an hour and there's all these things they do. And then they finally place this thing down. It's so it's ancient ritual to show the reverence they have for this object. What is this object? It's called the cap of maintenance, which is interesting that this crown, the powerful crown of Britain, the most powerful empire, the sun never set that the queen has taken hold of is called the cap of maintenance. Like <laughs> what are you, the cleaning lady? So King Edward's crown, it features the Maltese crosses. There's your Knights of Malta crosses. And the fleur-de-lis is the connection to France. The crown surrounds the so-called cap of maintenance. The word maintain means to perpetuate or keep in order until some other event occurs or until the arrival of a sovereign of greater rank. Interest. So this is where we get the hint that are we talking about a family bloodline that actually usurped the rightful owner of the crown and they are sort of like the stand-in kind of like the story of robin hood and king and prince john mm -hmm. um and, and then we get into dissection about the word uh in, or maintain or entertain and it also connotes the same idea to entertain in the interim the interim period like in the ufc when the main champion is injured and it's going to take too long before the number one and number two guy got to duke it out to see if they can fight for the title. They get an interim title. And so they get a title and they're called the interim champion. And then they hold that until they can take out the real champion. The, that whole thing in sports came originally from these royal uh, customs. So, but, and so the question Michael's asking here is, but in whose name or place does the queen and her court preside and maintain the state as stewards or caretakers? Some people might say, oh, they're they're standing in for you, the people. This is total bullshit. They're not. They're standing in for something else higher than them. Now, this is interesting. And I know you've looked into this, Josh. Yep. Getting into the Kabbalistic side of things. Okay. And Kabbalism, everybody thinks, oh, that's that's Jewish mysticism. Yeah, it's Jewish mysticism, but the lines start to get blurry when we start asking, well, what are we talking about when we use the word Jew, Jewish history? If we're talking about Hyksos pharaohs from Egypt, um, we're not talking about Semitic Jews like that are Jewish religious Jews. We're talking about particular elite family bloodlines that came out of ancient Egypt, Egyptian heritage, ancient Egyptian heritage that they're called the Hyksos. Okay. That knowledge of what we call Kabbalah or any of the divination mystery school arts, all of it, you can go back to Egypt and then we can make the case for it going back into the Atlantean period as well. But if you don't want to go there, start with Egypt. So Kabbalistic imagery is also used during the coronation ceremony. And look how they do it. The queen is positioned at the center of six maidens or ladies in waiting. Think about your wedding ceremony. It's very similar. Mm -hmm. The form of the procession is reminiscent of the Kabbalistic tree of life. The procession then passes through the second portal into the church towards the altar. The company pass along a blue carpet symbolizing water 
at the river of life, time or knowledge, etc. And interestingly, the word Hebrew means men of the river. And it is also, as I'm looking at that, the blue, right? In masonry, you have the red and blue degrees. Right. You have the blue lodges. Fire in the water. Um, you also have the garter, the order of the garter, which I have a little bit on. That's an order that the queen herself presides over. She wears a garter, and that color of the garter is blue. So just interesting. So we see the formation of the um, the different sephiroths or whatever of the Kabbalah tree. And then you look at the positioning of the way they just walk the queen towards this ceremony, the coronation. Um, it's virtually identical. And they don't do that just out of coincidence or out of some kind of decorative element. Now, David, so I, I just want to touch on this real quick, too, <clears throat> to add something in there for everybody listening. So... In occult science or esoteric mysteries, you have four various different uh, elements. You have earth, water, air, and fire. Okay? Uh, now, as we get into these, what these really mean traditionally and why the queen would represent the Knight of Garter, all these things in the sense of the representation of water, is these are all states of consciousness, of which these states all rise above one another. Earth being the lowest, the lower man, water being the heightened intelligent man that has rule and dominance over the earth, air being when Jesus flies through the air in the Bible, this is the no thought zone. This is kind of like that Bodhisattva zone where you're, in, you're moving towards that state of enlightenment where fire is the washing away of all of that, all the problems in life and moving towards enlightenment. You also have the ether, which is that godhood perspective of Bodhisattva or the, the, the Buddhahood, the Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But I just wanted to point out that they're representing the queen as basically over the domain of water. And I think that's really important to understand because when we were beginning this, they look at us as serfs and plebes and slaves because we rule over the earth. They rule over the water. And this is where the derivation of admiralty law comes from, ah, which yes. brings about the whole foundation of common law. Go ahead. Well done. Well said. I was just going to say, yeah, you got your maritime admiralty law. That is a crown system, right? And this is where it all derives from. And let's also remember that when you're talking about maritime admiralty law, uh, you're on a citizen ship. <laughs> that is birth. It, 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 the ship yep. docks at the birth, right? And they do that because every human being comes out of their mother's water into the world. We're born through the Nile Delta into the world and we're birthed through water. You're made up of water. A lot of your, you know, your blood, your cells, everything else. And um, there's a, a connection to water. Even, you know, think of Moses floating in the, in the Nile to hide from the pharaohs. Mm -hmm. um, think of a lot of these ancient stories and motifs. But think of also the fact that the queen is a feminine character. She's a female, right? And there's a whole sisterhood, a dark sisterhood that uh, Michael has exposed. He's the female first one to do it. Yep. Um, and getting into the fact that we know there's all these like, you know, these dark kings and queens and they're sort of the, the dark male side of things. But we always think that the seats of power are held by men. But when you get into the symbolism of these secret societies, these orders, these luminous groups, all of their symbolism is female symbolism. And it doesn't always mean a biological female. 
we're also talking about the occult esoteric concept of masculine feminine, right? So whether it's a physical female or whatever, although I, I think they're definitely that, it's interesting. They look at it in both ways. And this is what I think leads into some of these ancient witch covens and some of these ancient uh, elite groups. There are even certain, like I was speaking to a buddy of mine who's, he's like a third degree Freemason. He told me, he's like, mm -hmm. oh, I did a couple of things in Freemason. I don't give a shit about <laughs> it, but I did it for a while. It was kind of fun. And, you know, it's all a male thing. Women can't get in. You can't say the Queen's connected to Freemasonry because the women can't get into Freemasonic lodges. And I'm like, did they tell you that there are female Freemasons at, that actually outrank a lot of those lower level Masonic lodges that you have no idea in the world about? Um, you can go look up the femme fatales. These are the female Freemasons, man. And the queen actually has her own orders, the order of St. John's or no St. Uh, I think it's order of St. George, St. Michael, uh, something like that. And they are considered uh, liaisons with a lot of these alpha lodges of Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. So there is a connection because Freemasonry itself isn't an exclusive club. It goes again, back to the ancient mystery traditions and as these people like the Duke of Brunswick and many others said, they were infiltrated by a dark cult. Right. All right? And so also, here we are. Order of the Eastern Star is kind of what I think you're... There it is. The Order yep. of the Eastern Star. And that's only one of many that a lot of... Hey, even the Knights of Malta that I've been looking at uh, in the cult of the Medics. These are the progenitors of Club of Rome, of your pharma, all that. Um, they are... There's what's called the Danes of Malta as well. So they yep. have a male branch, the Knights and the Danes. So... Don't think that this is just the one of the feminists are talking about. This is some kind of male hierarchy system. We got to overthrow the males and then it's out. Uh, those males, those Templars, those priests are all wearing female garbs. So who are they really serving? A lot of these priests would actually, they call themselves eunuchs. They would actually basically chop off their willies um, and it would make them like an androgynous being serving these high level queens. Well, and, and don't forget, we've had many, many, many queens throughout history. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II is not the first one. Queen Victoria was not the first nope, one. Not even close. All throughout, especially European history, but going back to even Egypt, they revere a lot of the pharaohs were actually just the public face for the queen that actually ran the beehive. Remember we did beehives and all the positive things about bees and beehives? Do you know that one of the top symbols in both Freemasonry and these royals is a beehive because they want to create a beehive and what is nesting in the beehive as the most important figure of the entire colony. Oh, the queen, the queen bee. Who's the queen bee? So queen Elizabeth is being coronated to become the queen bee of the hive. And I think she's only managing a certain piece, a very, maybe a small piece compared to the real sorcerers that, would be behind the throne. Okay. So Mary, Miriam Henine, who was in our chat last week with us, uh, yes. she's, she's in the chat. She's awesome. We had her on the, she was our guest last week on Fringe. She's like, don't connect the bees to them. <laughs> Cause she Miriam, did. That. I yeah. love you. You said you were right on. Remember, remember everything is dualistic. That's right. Everything. There's nothing evil about bees for God. Bees. Now, I love watching the bees. Um, and there are many positive things to the bees. I just want to say, how does a psychopath look at bees? As an They're enemy. not looking at bees the way you look at them. They're not looking at crosses the way you look at them. They're not looking at the human beings the way you look at human beings. These are people that look at everything distorted. They plunder the great, beautiful elements of nature and humanity 
and the symbolic archive that goes well before these people, they are pirates. They steal it and then they wear it as their emblem and then they redraft the symbol to represent something else than what it was originally intended for. So now, I hope that makes sense. We're not knocking these. <laughs> right. And David, I want I want to touch on something that you said, especially with Michael's work in the sense of the female Illuminati and the female cults. Uh, you, have sure. the, you have the cults of the serpents, which rise up out of the, the, post, the post-flood. Um, and a, a lot of what we come out of there, if we go to ancient Egypt, we go to the Assyrian mysteries, the Isian mysteries, um, we see this transition with Osiris after being killed by Set in the 72 um, disciples where Isis goes in there and puts him back together, melts him a penis of gold and becomes impregnated and then gives the resurrection to Horus nine months later. Now, this is very interesting because the phallic symbols during this time, about 4,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, began the transition from rounded and rounded topped, an actual phallic symbol, to square on the sides and then pointy at the top. Now, if you think of inversion, the phallic symbol is predominantly a masculine symbol. But now if you think of inversion, how do you invert um, round and rounded at the top? Well, you square it, square in the circle, hermeticism, right? Mm -hmm. We bring in the aspects of nature, which bring about balance, which would be mating the female with the male, and now you have the inverted symbol. So if you look at these Osirian obelisks, these warships of Osiris, this is not necessarily worship to Osiris, but to the female dominant power that is brought about through the inversion of the masculine. There's always been something out there called the talk of the, the suppression of the divine feminine. New Mm -hmm. Agers have been talking about this for a long time. The suppression of the divine feminine was brought about by the feminine so the feminine could rule. And they've done it through the inversion of the masculine. And this is why they say we have a male-dominated society and everything like that. It's actually highly untrue. It's just that you have these secret societies that are ran by females operating in the backdrop, operating in the shadows, that don't want any traces brought back to them. That was very well said. I couldn't agree more. When you see obelisks, you're not seeing big giant willies, all right? <laughs> not this has been there's been a, a change of the guard, so to yep. speak. Okay, and um, if women found out that very cunning women were at the top of a lot of the oppression of women, I think that would be a big mind explosion. Just like the average Christian, if they found out that a lot of these evil archies are lurking at the top of a lot of their churches and organizations that are nothing to do with what you think Christianity is or should be. Um, that would be another explosion. The average Jew that everybody likes to go and say, oh, this the Jew is running everything. They're the one. Every time we see a Jew, there must be evil because they're all from... No, there's the average Jew has no... A lot of this stuff you could learn from the educated Jews who know about this shit, all right? Because mm-hmm. there's Jews as religious Orthodox Jews... You know, and then there's the Judites, there's the Sabbatean, the elite, and they come from Egypt. They're not coming from Galilee or Jerusalem or wherever, right? That's totally, totally different. We've been played. What you see on the surface with these royals, with your politics, with your religions, that is a, what does Shakespeare say? All the world's a stage. That's That's the stage to manage the human farm. Go watch Jupiter Ascending. It's all there. Oh, my God. We're going to do a show. (laughs) We're doing a show on Jupiter Ascending, by the way, guys. Not tonight. Not tonight, but I can't wait. I just made my wife watch it, and she was like, what the hell did I just watch? I'm like, (laughs) you got to watch the decoded version of the movie. You understand. Okay, moving on. Let's get through these. 
Next, moving on through this procession, just look at the overview shot. Passing through the inner door towards the altar, we see the red train of the queen held by her six ladies. This red train symbolizes the line of kings and queens historically preceding the queen. And the red train, so they have a red train behind the queen. What do celebrities and politicians and royalty walk upon when they step outside of their big private jets? Red carpets. Mm. What is the red carpet? Where does that motif symbolically go back to? The bloodline. We're the elites. That's why we're, you're not going to have uh, the guy that paints your house walk on the red carpet when he gets out of his van to come and paint your house. When Madonna gets out of her limousine, she's going to get on a red carpet, right? When you go to Hollywood, you're going to get on a red carpet to go to the Grammys, right? Is red carpet, that motif means something. And in the ancient traditions, the royalty would walk on the red carpet and the little serfs would weep at their feet. That was the mm -hmm. way it was. Um, she is the, so this is, this queen, Queen Elizabeth II, is the end of the royal bloodline, the dragon court that stretches back to the time of Akhenaten to more distant ages. She's the beginning of a new line because they're usurpers. That's who these people are. They're pirates and thieves. The lion the dragon slash serpent. Because look at the lion. When you see the lion, you'll always see serpentine qualities about the lion. That Look at that tail again. Mm -hmm. Look at that tail. Tell me that's not a serpent. All right? The lion, dragon, serpent of the Habsburg dynasty to whom the queen is related. That's what the symbol is. It goes to the Habsburgs. Pull out your, your books and get into that. Uh, the Windsors are also related to uh, the bows Leon, 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 Lion, Leo the Lion, astrologically, right? Um, the Battenbergs, the Mountbattens, the Saxe-Coburg-Gothas, the Hanoverian House of Orange, Savoy, uh, the, the Guelphs, the Black Venetians, the dynasties. It goes on and on, These the relations these people have. And on my telegram, I posted a genealogy um, history website that did a genealogy of Queen Elizabeth II. And you could literally be there for hours picking out names and just looking up these people and getting into the history of where their bloodline came from. It's a fascinating study. Oh, man. Take a lifetime. Um, next up, procession approaches the first set of the steps. There are six steps to climb. This, recepts, this represents the Star of David, or more correctly, the Star of Aton, because even though that is typically known as a Jewish symbol, it's the symbol of the Jews, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the Jews on that one, but it actually originates with uh, the Atonis out of ancient Egypt, and it's actually two triangles superimposed on top of each other. They called it the chalice and the blade, the upper-pointing upper triangle and the downward-pointing triangle fused together. In one rendering, you could look at it as the symbol of masculine, feminine, united, right, as one, so mm -hmm. a holistic uh, thing, um, but there's also other ways of rendering the symbol. But either way, they employ these symbols, nothing evil about the symbol, but they employ these symbols because they are symbols of power. These symbols have a certain effect on human consciousness, which is why ancient symbols, which they all originated from the sky. I mean, I can't help but point out that the star of David is what? It's a star, right? <laughs> all these things. What do you got in Hollywood lining up Hollywood Boulevard? The star, did you get your star? Are you a superstar? The stars, right? The star of Bethlehem, 
The stu- it's all coming from the stellar cult. All this came from the ancient stellar cult first, which was the understanding of the stars, anthropomorphized, and then it all de- de- derived from there. So after this ascent of the queen, moved slowly toward the members of the Protestant clergy before the altar and the two thrones. On the backs of the robes of these bishops, we see the letters IHS. This is the Jesuit symbol, right? These letters are believed to represent Jesus Christ. However, in fact, they derive from the Irish god Isa or Isus. Did anybody know there was an ancient Egypt, ancient Irish god named Isus that I, had I this exact symbol? <laughs> A lot of people didn't know that. They might yep. not want to know. As well as from the Grecian and Roman god Dionysus or Bacchus, yep. the cult of Dionysus. That is the original Grecian cult from which you get the lineage of ideas and thought of what we now today call the radical extreme left-wing movement. That is the cult of Dionysus amplified in modern times, upon whom the Christian Jesus was partly based. And this is why they still pay homage to all of this in their ceremonies. It's not just because these are your goody-two-shoe Christian people. They are not. Well, these would also be Mithras Mithras cults as well, right? Dionysus and Mithras cults are basically— It's a mishmash. Yeah, exactly. Different—you know what I look at it? It's different flavors of Gatorade, man. Oh, great. It's all the same. It's just different flavors. So next up. Now, this—dude, this is where shit gets to—this blew my mind, okay? Think about this. The queen approaches the clergyman and the altar. Above the altar, and by the way, altar, all star. That's the original, all star, right? Think of a minister, the minister, who's ministering this service, the minister, the moon star, right? All of its stellar cult. Above the all star with the sacred emblems of royalty is a balcony where the family members of the queen are seated. They rise and curtsy as she approaches. The red train is meticulously laid down, and she turns to the Bible. Beside her stand four knights with four swords. They mm-hmm. represent the four compass points. The symbolism of the sword is complex. It is primarily a Martian symbol, although it is also connected to the intellect and the acquisition of knowledge. And you actually can... When he also does in this series, you got to just watch it. I think it's like a 40-minute video that he does called about this. He also relates it to each tarot card. I didn't have time to include all of that, but you have the, uh, what is it, the cup of, or the, uh, the, the, the all of these scenes in the coronation are mm-hmm. literally pulled out of the tarot. Okay, so what does that tell you, right? You have the Torah, which is the Old Testament, is based on, okay? And that comes out of Egypt. And then you have the tarot, tarot, Torah. The tarot was the symbolic archive and the Torah was the written archive. But they don't want you to know that it's connected. They don't want you to know it's the same archive. But then when you watch these royal ceremonies or even the ceremonies of like they're opening up a new city center or something or they're putting a new fountain in the town square, they do these weird little rituals, not as elaborate as this, but that are actually coming out of the tarot and the stellar cult. It's very interesting. But hold the four knights. Okay, remember I was out there in Cult of the Medics. I'm in there exposing these, the fact that these knightly chivalric orders were infiltrated by these cults, and they are sort of like the intelligence, bodyguard, military of these royals and these elites, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the four knights that stand 
at this ceremony. And as I'm saying that in Indiana Jones, the last crusade, wasn't there, was there four nights at the end with the grail? I can't remember. Um, I believe there was. Yeah. Somebody tell me, were there four nights? I, I'm just, Roxy cause we know. just watched the first Indiana Jones again. I'm, I'm not at the last crusade yet, but I don't want to deviate too much. I'm too excited here, buddy. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. I got four nights with four swords at the altar waiting for the queen. Okay. They represent the four cardinal points. Check this out. This is one of the most ancient zodiacs in the world. Maybe Ralph Ellis would say there's an the older Dendera? one. I don't know, but the Dendera zodiac is recognized as one of the most ancient zodiacs. It shows the 12 signs of the zodiac and the four cardinal points. This is how most zodiacs were presented. It wasn't just this perfect circle with the 12 uh, houses or the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples, 12 months of the year, blah, blah, blah. It's 12, and then it's divided by four, right? Mm -hmm. And so you see at the top, you've got, it sort of looks like a cross, like four points of a cross, and then you have an X demarcating the four cardinal points. And there's an old Templar saying, this actually comes from the Templar tradition, that goes, X marks the spot. You've heard of this? Yes. X marks the spot. Or if you're going to sign a signature, and you're going to sign in blood on the fine print, uh, you sign beside an X, right? Yep. You even have what are called X checkers, the X checkers. These are the guys that <laughs> that's your big level financier guys, right? And if a commoner couldn't speak, couldn't read or write, and they had to make their mark, they were just told make your mark. And it was often an X, but everybody got that in X marks the spot. That's just pirates hunting down treasure uh, or they're trying to find the lost treasure of the Templars in Nova Scotia. You know, that's not where the treasure is. Okay. I'll tell you that right now. I even told the producers of that show that that's not where it is, but they're making too much money off it. It's still a good show. It's a good adventure. Who knows what they'll find. Mm -hmm. But four cardinal points. So just to recap, because I'm getting too excited here. Four knights at the ceremony, four swords, four cardinal points, the four directions of heaven right out of ancient Egypt. This is the exact way. This is the exact thing that they would do through their coronation ceremonies. Okay. Nothing is new under the sun, right? But it gets better. Remember we started with that symbol that was on the side of the queen's black cape, the Knights of Malta, the Maltese cross. What do you see now? Four directional points, the four cardinal points. And the four cardinal points are facing into the center that when you look at this, to me, and don't forget, the Nazis employed this symbol, the royals employed it, the Vatican employs it, the, your hospitalers, your pharma, your knights mm -hmm. of St. John of Jerusalem, your first aid guys, everybody adopted this symbol, okay? Again, Nothing evil about four cardinal points. That's just something. What it is, is it's an element of the natural order encapsulated into a symbol. And it's powerful on human consciousness. So if you want to sit on the thrones of the earth, you must understand the knowledge of symbolism and how to use it, right? So they've got their four cardinal points pointing to the center. The center is the center of power. And then as I've so said before, if you take this, if we zoom from the top and look down upon it and we think of it as a 3D image, it is an unfolded pyramid. 
That's what it is. There it is. So it's a pyramid that's been unfolded into a 2D flat image seen from above. If you were to see from above and fold them back down, you would see the pyramid. So these people are more Egyptian than they are Christian, as you would think of it, okay, in terms of the symbolism. But then I guess the whole world would have to be because we got everything from, from there. And there's a few, few people that sport these uh, symbols. There's your Nazi symbol. There's your uh, check out the crazy uh, magic stars on the hat of Nimrod that comes out of Babylonian tradition that the popes wear, right? It's a fish hat. The, the, the mitre. The mitre. So we're talking about Dagon. Yeah. Dagon, the mitre, right? Um, so that's what the popes wear. The scepters that they hold. If you actually look at a lot of the top bishops and cardinals or any cardinal that'll go to a ceremony with a scepter or a staff. Remember the staff that turned into a serpent, right? Mm -hmm. That's a druidic symbol because it's the spiral. It's the staff that goes up into a spiral. And by the way, I want to say something real quick to uh, some of the people that got into this whole child sex trafficking uh, Pizzagate stuff. And they went on the FBI website and saw all the symbols that demarcated a pedophile, right? Mm -hmm. One of those symbols, one was a pyramid. One was a pyramid shaped in a spiral. One was a spiral. I want to just say 100% legit. However, that's not the origin of those symbols. Those symbols all come from, from the Druids and the Egyptians. Like It's, it's again, um, sequestered, reappropriated symbols for a perverted purpose. And that is part of something called black magic. Okay. Um, you also have the Alpha and Omega Lodge, right? Where you got the sun and stars and then the secret handshake, right? With the Knights of Malta cross, there's the queen wearing the cross. There's Benedito Mussolini. There's Adolf Hitler. There at the top, you've got the sovereign grand lodge of Malta, sovereign grand lodge of Malta. You would think we're talking again about Christian Catholic orders. However, we see at the top the pyramid with the all-seeing eye, that is a Masonic symbol, and you have the Masonic square and compass, you have the sun, remember it was a dark sun cult that infiltrated the Masonic Masons, you've got the Knights of Malta, and then Josh, what are those two pillars right there? Which ones? Uh, the, oh, those the, ones? The central image between those are the two pillars that stood at uh, before the, the Temple of Solomon, that's uh, Jaco, Jacoin and Boaz. I knew you would knew this. know this, I knew you would know this. Jacket and Boaz. Jacket and Boaz? What does that have to do with Christianity? <laughs> Diddly fuck all, man. Um, so there you go. Just to give you a little, just start looking into this stuff. These people are not what they're advertising at all. Oh, and one real quick thing I just noticed. Do you see the uh, black and white Knights of Malta cross with the swastika in the center? Mm -hmm. What is showing, just like on that Dendera, hold on. Right? We have the four cardinal points equilateral cross and then you have the x that marks the spot what is the x that marks the spot made of on that symbol swords yep the two swords the sword symbolically can also be the tongue the speech using speech spellcraft remember in lord of the rings they said the white wizard they were talking about the dark with the white wizard. Don't let him speak to you. He'll put a spell on you. He'll use words to entrap your mind into a spell. The sword. It's the military Mars symbol. We're the knights. We're guarding and protecting this, uh, this order. Um, but it also has an esoteric symbol to talk about the mind and the tongue and the words. Okay. Just want to point that out. Now we get to this chap. All right. 
And again, I just found this random picture of Prince Andrew um, liaison with Jeffrey Epstein and, and co. Um, and yet he's wearing Knights of Malta crosses just like everybody else because he's a part of the order. He's a part of the cult. Okay. And that's why I say just start when you don't look at their faces when you see look at what kind of badges they're wearing, what kind of little medallions they're wearing, the gold fringe that is a military thing. We know what the gold fringe flags look at that collar, right? Just start oh, the blue sash. So he's Order of the Garter right there, run by the female Illuminati. Mm -hmm. huh? So who's really doing the sacrifice of children and uh, utilizing blood ritual? It's the Shekinahs. It's the witches, right? Why do you think it's Abramovich that became put out as the main artist that was kind of working with Lady Gaga and is looked at as being one of the heads of this? Uh, the spirit cooking phenomena. Abramovich, there's, your, there's a doorway into the witch covens. Now, this goes into the flags. You start looking at flags, it's all British Empire stuff, okay? So you've got your red cross, and I just wanted to point that out, the red cross. I think I came on your show a while back and did mm -hmm. a little bit on that, but um, the red cross is what? It's, it's, everybody thinks, oh, that's where you go and you donate your blood. Well, your it, blood they service. also think it's Rothschild. Red Shield. Yep. <laughs> you got it. Red Shield, Red Cross, right? Um, and Red Shield, Rothschild, that's shield. That's talking about a connection to something higher than some Rothschild Chivalry. banking group. Red Shield. They are the first Red Shield was the Amalfi merchants of Italy, the Italian merchants. They were vastly more wealthy. They were they came from the black nobility. They were the bankers for the black nobility. The Hanoverans, the, the Mountain Battens, these were the first red shields. If you go look up the Italian Mercs, the Amalfis, and go look up some of the family names, I think it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the Italian names, I'll post it again. Well, weren't but weren't they, they the, were the protectors of the ships on the seas? Is that they protected the, the, the shipments, the money, the gold, or whatever was being transferred, on the sea so they were kind of like the security force that protected them and then eventually turned into the pirates that's right and those templar group because this is a templar the straight yep. cross the straight cross like this the straight red cross that's a templar cross okay um i won't go into the whole thing but the templars the the templars when they were supposedly disbanded they didn't go anywhere there was a cleric order called the cistercians that held their wealth their knowledge and everything else and that got transferred and absorbed into the Knights of Malta when that took place. Mm -hmm. So when you're seeing Templars, Knights of Malta, because historically the Knights of Malta go back to the Knights Hospitallers, which were supposedly rivals to the Templars, because the Templars sort of did their own thing and they kept rebelling against the Catholic Church, whereas the Hospitallers were like the loyal Catholic Church Knights. Um, but when you when history kept unfolding because they're both criminal syndicates. They were just having a little power struggle there. Yeah, the orders of Medici. Um, the, the Templars were suppressed because they were doing liaison with Eastern mystical groups in when they were involved in the Crusades, the Frankist groups. We call it the Eastern Illuminati. Okay, They were doing uh, exchange of good services, knowledge, and symbolism and all that with these Eastern groups. And then they pulled a lot of that knowledge back to the wet they brought it back with them and that's where we get a lot of these really weird middle eastern vibes in the shriners in a lot of freemasonry 
they can thank the Templars for that. In fact, the, the top Templar, the top degrees in Freemasonry are Templar degrees. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyways, that's another digression. I just want to point out the Red Cross. The Red Cross Foundation is literally involved in a form of human farming where they collect your donation of blood because you're a good person. You want to help your fellow man with blood transfusions or emergency surgeries or whatever. Um, and so you donate your blood. You give it for free. You, you're at the mall. There's a blood donation clinic. It goes to the Red Cross. They then distribute it out. And um, there's a good documentary you can find called The Business of Blood. I put a little snippet in chapter five of my series, and it talks about how 70 to 80% of that blood plasma that you donate never makes it to the hospital to help anybody. It gets sold by the Red Cross to the pharmaceutical companies who take your blood and then do some weird hocus pocus with it in some lab somewhere, make drugs and vaccines out of it, and then sell it back to you by injecting that shit into you and having you buy it from them. So it's a farming that's just level one. There's way more to it. Um, I think there was even a Q post talking about the Red Cross. Go just go put the Red Cross on those boards just out of curiosity, see what they're saying. They call it a slush fund or whatever. But it's it goes back into history. And the Union Jack, the Red Cross, the Red Cross on the Order of the Garter, uh, there's the Double Cross of Lorraine. It's all these different variations of crosses that have nothing to do with what you think they do. Hmm. And these two flags on the left-hand side are talking about the British East India Company, the Dutch East, in East India Company, which I believe fused, um, uh, the Virginia Company and the Hudson Bay Company. Those companies were, that was, that's British Empire. That was one of the ways they used for colonization of India, China, Africa. And uh, you can get into Dr. John Coleman's book. Uh, I've got it Committee right here. Committee of 300. Committee of 300. And he will break down the British and Dutch East India companies and the whole Royal family connection to that. Um, next over on the right-hand side, just really quickly, you will see the, it looks like a belt surrounding the, the Templar shield there. That is the garter. Just talk about the blue we were saying before that. And it's that light blue, kind of like the blue of Ukraine. I just want to point that mm -hmm. out. So you got your blue little sash there. That's the garter. And that is the queen's order. The queen is the head of the order of the garter. I won't break the other ones. Oh, on the right-hand side, you'll see the Templar shield kind of has a Malta vibe to it. You've got the unicorn and the lion. In Canada, uh, that's also the symbol that's here because it's the que it's Queensland, right? In Australia, you're going to have it because uh, this is the royal symbol, lion and the unicorn. A whole thing could be done about that. But you will notice, I don't know if you'll see it in this one, on the actual low emblem, the unicorn is wearing a chain because the unicorn is chained by the lion, the royal lion, Leon. Right. It's a serpentine lion. The and lion symbolically, what does this mean? Do you know or can do you want me to, to touch on that? Right oh, away? you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, so symbolically, if you notice that the, the unicorn is white and the lion is gold, okay? They are standing on the earth, the firm earth. In between them is the shield, which represents the chivalric orders, okay? Now, the unicorn is a mythological creature, which basically reigns within the um, the, the mythological lands, if you want to call it that. So think about that in the sense of the spiritual worlds, okay? Mm. In the sense of the spiritual worlds, of where the lion reigns here on the physical war worlds. And really what this is representative of is the queen's domain over 
the physical land which have chained the spiritual world through have, that have been derived their power through the chaining of the spiritual worlds. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And this is how their symbolic operates. Symbolism operates. And so when it's we look to be exoteric and esoteric, meaning exactly physical and spiritual, like it has to be both. Exactly. And this is like when you're talking about the coronation and you're talking about the three steps that they have to go up through. Right. Uh, Do, six steps for this one. The oh, three so steps are in steps. a court. Yeah. Right. Okay. They have the three steps are in the court, but it's six steps through this one. And this represents that transition, but into the altar. Now only the high priest can enter the altar. Right. And That's this right. is representative of the six steps to, I guess, in a sense is enlightenment or the, the, um, the domain over the various states of consciousness. When we start getting into the various aspects of, of spirituality and how this all has to do in it. And if we look at the, this whole history of the last 6,000 6, years, um, I, I know we'll probably talk about it, but we have the black pyramid, right? We have the black pyramid mm -hmm. or the black aspect of things, and then the light aspect, the dark aspect, the white aspect. And what this really is about is either the evolution of consciousness or the suppression of consciousness. And the way that these people have came to power, and you're showing this right now, is through the suppression of our spiritual and our evolutionary consciousness. So... I just wanted to put that out there, but very cool. I like that uh, that one symbol right there with the unicorn and the lion. I haven't seen it in years, and I have I actually went out and got my notebook. So I had a I had like a a whole pile of notebooks that I went and grabbed because you're sitting nice. here talking, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I know that, I know that. Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get that. And so, <laughs> well, that's why it's good because see, guys listening, Josh and I, and and there's many others out there, and there's probably people listening who've been researching this stuff for a long time. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but. I feel like I've seen so much. I've been to conferences. I've met people, spoken to them. I've interviewed everybody. I've read books. I study this. This is what I do. I've become this, right? Um, and you forget more than you even learn. Like you, it just, some things pass through. Uh, you, you go through it. You hear it. Even some of the stuff I'm talking, you're like, yeah, yada, yada, get to the meat. But then you will circle back eventually. Things will happen in the world or in your life where you're like, I thought I heard something. And that was what this was for me to put this together, Josh. It took me like maybe took me about four hours. Mm -hmm. Right. But the only reason I could do it in and to me, that's a short period of time to put this together. Uh, the reason is because I already kind of knew a lot of stuff. And then I knew when I started seeing the media with the queen passing and every all my friends started talking about it and. People are having queen tea parties and shit. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to dig this up. I know there's something more here. And um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to show people we can argue what's good and bad. I want you to understand how ancient and how big this is, how megalithic this is, how old this is, how important this is to these people. Whereas you and I are just like, I don't care what shirt I'm wearing today. I don't right. care what this I'm doing today. Although I did put on my own slave shirt to support non slave. But like, you know, like we don't have massive rituals every time we walk outside the door to do something special. We just go out, right? We're the common commoners. But these people, the reason they have to be so meticulous with the ritual is because they have higher aspirations than the average person of maintaining power. <laughs> they want to acquire power and they want to maintain power. And if you want to do that, as JP Morgan himself said, millionaires don't know astrology, billionaires do. And that's astrology. That's just one part of the archive of the symbolic archive 
that is known by these elites that the average person doesn't know, um, that your priests tell you not to even look at. And it doesn't mean you have to go believe in it or anything like that. It just means you need to know the manual that these people actually stole from your ancestors to then use as a way of wielding power over you that is illegitimate. This symbolism should be there. There's nothing evil about a red cross, guys. Nothing evil about a shield. There's nothing. A shield can be something that protects the good, but a shield can also hide and protect the evil, right? Um, so symbolism's dual. All this knowledge is dualistic. Mm -hmm. If we employed this knowledge in our own lives the way we should have done, the way the great teachers told us to, um, then we wouldn't be slaves. We wouldn't be slaves on this planet. We wouldn't be dealing with a great reset. We wouldn't be dealing with the government stealing our money, locking us up, and destroying our freedom and our lives. We wouldn't be dealing with that because we would realize, just as the Christ said, who these people are supposedly supposed to be representing, said, no, 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 the kingdom of heaven is neither here nor there. It's not Buckingham Palace. It's not the thrones of Britain. It's not the thrones of anywhere. The kingdom of heaven is within you, which means everything you, I can do, you can do in greater. Those are the best teachers. Now You it, are that, but yeah. it's a process to become that, right? They don't want you to know that. Well, G, G, and, and it's said in Matthew, when, when Jesus says the steps to basically establish um, your, 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 your church, he says the first step is to find the kingdom of heaven. And he says it later on that the kingdom of heaven is sought from within. And then when thy eye be single, right? Here we go. Now this this is that's a whole different decanter. That's of words. another podcast. Like, that's <laughs> a, but, but it is relevant, Josh, because we're talking about an, a, a supposedly Christian Western uh, monarchy that it's is just but. you know moving through time, and they defended the West during the great Nazi wars and all this. And you're like, no. You don't get more Nazi than the British royal family. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry they to break are the it Nazis. To you, okay? you don't get more Nazi than the cardinals, the, the College of Cardinals in Vatican City would make your average Nazi look like a fucking kindergartner. Mm -hmm. There are Blavatsky and many other people who knew a lot of this shit. They knew that these orders had been infiltrated. Her own order was totally taken over after she died and run by, was it Annie Besant or somebody like that, who was a theosophist, Fabian socialist. So all of that was plundered. And those people warned us about this dark brotherhood, dark sisterhood that pillaged the archives of knowledge to subjugate humanity. So there's so much more to go into on that. But just remember, this is your birthright. You don't need to be getting on your knees in front of any royals or politicians or any of these popes. You are those things that they pretend to be. They just want you to believe in them instead of the real God, instead of the real freedom, the real truth, and the fact that that all is a part of who you really are. You are all that is, all that ever was, and all that ever will be contained in this moment in time, and they want to steal that from you. And I say, fuck them. Never going to let it happen. Next. Woo! The queen. She's the head of the garter. So I just want to show you really quickly. There's an old picture of her, a newer picture of her. Um, mm -hmm. That star, the sun, <laughs> the rays of the sun, uh, that is behind that order of the garter symbol. It shows that she's the top of the pyramid, okay, of that order. So stop telling me the queen had no power. Solar <laughs> rays. Uh, real quick, this is just from the actual website of the order of the garter, okay? Order of the garter, according to them, officially, 
the most noble order of the Garter is an order of chivalry founded by Edward III of England in 1348. It is the most senior order of knighthood in the British honor system. Uh, what? I thought the queen was just a decoration. Did they just say that it's the most senior order of the knighthood of the British honor system? Outranked in precedence only by the Victoria Cross and the George Cross. Hmm. And the George Cross gets into the order of St. George, the ancient, go look up the ancient order of St. George, the ancient order of St. George. Um, they're going to tell you there's no connection, it comes from some Austrian background, but uh, make no mistake about it. They're giving you a little wink, wink, nod, nod to their real lineage. Okay. There's a whole <coughs> story about that. So there she is wearing it beside her freaky deaky, whatever that goblin guy is, husband. So, <laughs> um, and then, oh, this is also interesting. Okay. This is the, the chair of St. Edward. I did a show a while back with Ralph Ellis about the stone of scone. Mm -hmm. So this chair, if you see, it kind of looks like the Ark of the Covenant at the bottom. And then it has like a big pyramidical shape at the top. Right. And there's like, you can't really see it, but there's like little light rays apparently. And underneath the base of the chair is an ancient sacred stone called the stone of scone. Now, some people will tell you the Jacob. actual stone isn't there. It's just a symbolic stone, which could be the case. I don't know. But the, the original chair that Queen Elizabeth sat in to be coronated allegedly had the actual stone of scone. And that is a history getting into how these British elites and British, again, I don't want to, this is, these are the, uh, the Jacobin Illuminati elites that hijacked the British throne. They conquered the lands from the peoples that had these ancient stones. Mm -hmm. And who are the famous ones for ancient sacred stones? The Irish, the Celts, the Scots, Wales, right? These types of people. Um, and, they had a great knowledge of the energy of these stones. Stones are minerals. Uh, minerals were where we get silicon, Silicon Valley. All your computer chips are derived. Um, I've been to Ireland, and I've gone through the tours of a lot of the ancient stone circles. It is mind-blowing the stuff that you're just tripping over in fields out there. Nobody even knows about. Uh, that's still there, thousands of years old. And there was a belief in channeling the energy of the earth uh, through these ley lines or salt lines using ancient stones, which was one of the reasons they built these ancient stone circles um, and they put them on certain sacred nodal points on the planet that would be similar to like the acupuncture points of your body. Mm -hmm. And when they would do that, they would lay them in alignment with the stars. So certain constellations were aligned for these buildings and these structures. And this was a way that you achieved as above, so below. This was a way that you connected Earthman to air, to the gods, right? And um, these ancient stones were very sacred to these peoples, but these vicious kings and queens throughout history annihilated entire bloodlines of people, all of the good people. They annihilated them. They plundered their lands. I went to Buckingham Palace on a tour. It's nothing but a big brag fest of all the different cultures that this empire had pillaged and taken from and made decorations throughout the palace. And the most important decoration is an ancient sacred stone. Some people believe it might not even have originated on earth. It might've been part of an asteroid that hit the planet. So Big what I want to do real quick, David, is I want to yeah. show the actual coronation, coronation chair with the scone in it. 
I'm going oh, to show. Sure. Yeah. I can do show you want me a to picture. Stop share, or can you do? Um, I should be able to just transition. There it is, right there. And so, if people are watching, if you watch on YouTube, you can see the picture of it. But this is the actual um, stone right there. We can go here. The stone of scone right there, and there it is in the coronation chair, right underneath the seat, right above the the four lines carrying it. Oh, I'm glad you found a better picture. Yep. Good, good. It's funny. I went off on the stone of scone. It wasn't even part of the slide. I just yeah. wanted to show you. This is the chair of St. Edward, the Irish soul of kings. Stands upon four atinous lions. Oh, so the, the lions are underneath on the four cardinal points. Yep. And the back of the chair is suggestively pyramidical, giving a little hint to the ancestry. Okay. Um, we're getting close to the end of the slides. Uh, where do I, how do I move this zoom menu? I just want to see if I can move it. Ah, oh, good. I can move it. Get out of my way. Okay. The symbol of the blue garter, talking about the order of the garter, okay? Mm -hmm. The symbol of the blue garter, as well as the red cross symbol, referred to as St. George's cross. Remember St. George and his dragon? He was yep. the slayer of dragons, right? St. George's cross. Belonged to the Egyptian god Set. They go back to the Egyptian god Set. He was worshipped by the Hyksos pharaohs, who, during and after their time of Akhenaten, became what are called the Atonists. This in the Atonists, this is this is a whole other podcast to get into. We've done this a lot on Unslaved, but um, this is do the people dark even cult. know that there is a whole story that there is a lot of documentation for about the true history of Moses and Akhenaten, mm -hmm. and the fact that what we call Moses, which was a title was actually Akhenaten because Akhenaten held that title at the time. And Akhenaten was a Hyksos pharaoh, meaning he wasn't native Egyptian pharaoh. The Hyksos came in to Egypt and started to sort of immigrate into the culture and then eventually took over the thrones of power. And during and after the time of Akhenaten, this group, they worshipped the god Set. So you had Horus and Set, and Horus and Set are copy and paste right on top of, in terms of mythology, ancient mythology, you've got all of your antagonist, protagonist stories that have ever been created. Loki and Thor, Jesus yep. and Satan, on and on and on. Good and evil. It's been encapsulated in every myth ever to exist. And in the Egyptian mythos, they called it Horus and Set. And um, the Hades pharaohs were Setians. So that's why you hear Tessarian always calling them Setian Atonists. And speaking of Setian in the House of Set, what was the name of that guy, Josh, who was in the CIA uh, top level and he was a Satanist and he was he was the head of the House of Set, but he was like an intelligence officer. What was that guy's name? He had the weird um, uh, sideburns. Yeah, he had the, the curly mustache. Uh, he's, he's actually dead now. His name was uh, Michael. Someone's going to say it there. Michael uh, Aquino? Michael Aquino. There you go. Michael That's Aquino. It. Yep, Go listen to Michael Aquino tell you about Setianism and where it originates. They'll tell you. This is and this is the real Satanism, people. The real Satanism. This this the is the real, real darkness, the real evil. This is yeah. this is it. This is why Albert Pike said in his book Morals and Dogma that Satanism is nothing more than a fallacy. It doesn't exist. It was a creation by the Christian Church, and that the real war, war is between Adonai. 
and Lucifer, where he claims that Lucifer is the one true of God. Now, this gets into the Atonist, basically deriving into the Hebrew religions as Adonai or the Lords. Anyways, long story, whole different podcast there. Another, po- yeah. <laughs> but just to know, like, I just want people to know they tell you a lot in symbolism. That's why we're going through symbolism just of one coronation of a queen. If we did this for all of these different ceremonies, the the way they do stuff, the whole history, it's endless. But what we're seeing is they're giving tributes to their predecessors, to their progenitors, mm-hmm. which means that what the average person believes they are isn't what they themselves believe they are. And that is, I think that's really crucial for people to understand just like when we're telling you, guys, your politicians don't work for you, right? In Canada, sorry, Trudeau doesn't work for you, okay? Biden doesn't work for you. None of these people work for you. They have allegiances elsewhere. Their allegiances are because they've been selected in advance by these higher cults who don't like to show their face, and they are put in those positions, right? And they've been running the game for so long that they can swap in and out, right? Look what happened in Britain. They lost... What's his name? Crazy haired fat guy, Boris. They lost Boris, him. Yeah, Boris Johnson. Yeah. Who steps in? Another WEF puppet. What's yep. your face? Right. So you just bait and switch back and forth. Um, there's a few exceptions here and there, but look what happens to those exceptions. The media attacks them. They get either uh, character assassinated or they actually get physically assassinated if they ever turn coat. Even JFK comes from the Kennedy family. A mafia family, if there ever was one. A lot of people don't know that. The real history of the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. But he changed over time. He saw what was going on, and he started to rebel against the cult. And what happened? Same with Lincoln. The two presidents to get shot in the head were the ones that went up against the banksters, who are the banksters that manage the wealth of these elites that I'm showing you right now that go all the way back to the pharaohs of Egypt and probably before. Okay? So... Look at this. Egyptian god Set. He is worshipped by the Hyksos pharaohs who during after their time in Akhenaten became the Atnes. The Atnes conquered Britain. So this is, the, this is how they got into British royalty and why they salute these people. The Atnes conquered Britain approximately 600 years BC. This is the reason why Egyptian symbolism appears so much on British and European heraldry. And for more information on these symbols, go check out Irish Origins of Civilization um there's two books volume one and two and there's a big presentation it's like 10 hours long about all this stuff and more on unslave.com okay uh we're close is this oh there's just oh yeah the two ones okay two more slides josh yep two more slides uh is everybody having a good time we learning stuff? oh dude we're we're gaining people so that, okay that's good, a good good thing. good the ones the magic ones Look at the tarot. So I just put one of the tarot references in here. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you notice on the high priestess card, you have Jacket and Boaz, right? Yep. Those are your pillars. And again, nothing evil about it, but it is a Masonic symbol because they took, they plundered the archive. But in the original, it was just talking about masculine, feminine, left and right, up and down, uh, electricity, magnetism, the duality, and you have to pass through the gates to become a whole, right? Um, But in these people, they still keep those rituals because they know how to gain power. If you want to gain power, you have to play a trick on nature and karma in order to win it illegitimately. And that's what they do. It's a, it's a game. Mm-hmm. So the two wands of power in her right hand, so this is Elizabeth as she's getting before she gets crowned in her right hand, she holds the scepter of kingly power and justice. 
and in her left hand she holds the rod of equity and mercy. This corresponds with the Kabbalistic schemats of the Tree of Life and its masculine and feminine pillars, known as mercy and severity. These pillars are the Jackin and Boaz of masonry. So, yeah, just so you know, those pillars didn't originate with masonry. It, they, again, much, much creation happened. Yep. The central path on the Tree of Life is made up entirely of feminine paths. This central pillar, named Equilibrium, would be the body of the queen herself, as seen in the tarot card two, the high priestess. So he's just giving an indication. These people know everything he's talking about and probably more. And it's very, very rich symbolically, has nothing whatsoever to do with what you think Christianity is. All right. Um, let me get my mouse back. Final. This is the Akhenaten Pharaoh right here. Okay. By hook or by crook. There's a few different places you're going to hear this. By hook or by crook. You remember the Prisoner series, the old British sci-fi series? Mm -hmm. It's about the prisoner. It's such, if you watch that series, it's basically telling you the fact that you're in a world that's being controlled and it's the, it, they talk about mass formation psychosis before it was cool. Uh, and there's a, one of the guys in the series, one of the, I can't remember like where he, number six meets him and he says, by hook or by crook. And what they're, they're saying is, I'm going to get my way. I'm going to get you to do my bidding by hook or by crook, meaning either I will pour sweet honey into your ear and manipulate you to do what I want, or by crook, meaning I will use force. I will break the law. I will break the natural order, and I will force you to do what I want. And if you notice, just quickly on this point, by hook or by crook, the old way that the controlling mafia cartels worked, the politicians and the media, was by hook. That was the old way, okay? They started with hook. It was mostly hook. It was mostly, let's just, um, let's get them bread and circuses. Let's keep them distracted. Let's give them lots of people to worship uh, so they don't know that they have all that stuff within them. They don't need to worship anybody. Go live your own life. Let's get them all hooked into our game. And we'll hook you in, you know, by, you know, we'll tell you that you're free, but you still have to pay us taxes and tax income. And you own your home, but actually you're on a mortgage, which is, means death pledge to the banks, meaning you don't own shit. You're actually, your mortgage <clears throat> death pledge home that you're paying a mortgage on is situated on top of crown land that is owned by the empire that already conquered the world before you were even born. So you don't own shit. You've just paid people some money, and now you think you own. You've been given the crown of maintenance. That's hmm. what you've been given. You're maintaining that land and that property on behalf of these people. That's how they see it, okay? So hook, that's the main methodology. But have you noticed they've moved now to crook? Huh? And mm -hmm. that's what my question was. As soon as they went full pandemic Gestapo, Gestapo Nazi on everybody, that was the crook. That was the, the, they're blatantly breaking both international and national laws by, by implementing just with the health mandates. They're breaking national and international laws. I could cite them chapter and verse to you if I wanted to, okay? You should know this. They're breaking the law. ArriveCan, that app you have to download on your phone or you get fined $6,000 at the airport in Canada, which shows your vaccination status, right? That is a breach of, your, of the law of this country. That is the breach of your constitution, but they're doing it anyways, right? So that's the crook. 
The other crook is they've now started to use force to, to back up their un illegal edicts. So this tells us that we're at an advanced level of this chess game of world domination, this game of risk. When they go from hook to crook, you can tell that they've had to accelerate the agenda because they're threatened, right? So just want to point that out. But really quickly, on the symbolic level of hook and crook, the idea of two pillars is not Jewish, but in fact Egyptian. As said, Jack and Boaz are based on the esoteric so-called Kabbalistic tradition and on the Tree of Life's pillars entitled Mercy and Severity. These terms apparently also refer to two ancient symbols of royalty, namely the crook and the flail of the pharaohs. So the pharaohs would actually hold the crook and the flail, and they were actually buried and embalmed holding them. That is also another rendition of X marks the spot, right? Mm -hmm. Egyptian pharaohs bore the symbol of the crook and also the flail or the whip. Remember Indiana Jones had his whip? This symbol of the flail connoted self-mastery, not dominance over others, as lying experts contend. So, as we said, everything's dualistic. I kind of gave you their rendition of hook and crook. There is a very spiritual, symbolic, original history to the symbol of hook and crook. It has nothing nefarious to do. It's talking about the ascension of human consciousness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, the Hyksos pharaohs were known as the shepherd kings. The king of Egypt was regarded as a seer. He was the shepherd. This term distinguished him as a master astrologer. He flocks where the stars, or his flocks, were the stars of heaven. Okay. And today's flocks, let me just finish it. Yeah. Today's flocks are the human farm. So see how they perverted it from you are the master of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. You are the shepherd of your own life. And you are the shepherd of your family and your nation. And you are to take care of them and tend them as a shepherd would versus the hook and crook version of the criminal cabal that we're dealing with that looks at you as a farm animal that is simply not a human being with a spark of divine and meaning in it, but as a slave to them, to be sheared, to be used as a resource to benefit them. That is the inversion, is the inversion of a psychopathic mind distorting ancient, truly magical, uh, symbolic traditions so now david know? i don't know if you're going to go this route or not but that last paragraph is incredibly important can you go to back that pull that last paragraph right back up that last slide sure 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 and, and i want everybody to understand this because we're talking about basically the lineage of all this deriving the lineage of all the kings deriving from the power of egypt now it says here that the hysicos pharaohs were known as the shepherd kings the king of egypt was regarded as a seer Okay, now we can come out of that. Now, David, when they exiled out of Kemet, right, the Atlantean orders and so forth, where did they go? Did they happen to go to Ireland and form Druidic orders? Well, there was a liaison. There was probably already Druidic orders there. Mm -hmm. uh, why is uh, Maritatan buried in Ireland? And why are there red-haired mummies buried in Egypt? That's well, a good question. The reason I bring this up is because in 1946, and I'm going to show this video for everybody out there. Um, David, if you want to check it out, uh, I don't, you've probably already seen this video. 
This video is the Druidic ceremony for the coronation of Queen Elizabeth, where she is announced as the bard or the seer. Oh, I'm so glad you found that clip. Yeah. I, was, I was looking for this clip. I got it right here. Playing it right now. What the synchronicity, bro. Okay, hit it. Yep, it's playing right now. I know you can't see it. You can watch it on YouTube. And she basically gets initiated into this Druidic order as a bard, but as known as the seer. The king of Egypt is known as the seer. The seer. The all-seeing eye. Yep, there's that. There is that right there. That is the the druidic ceremony where she becomes a bard in the druidic order, but also known as bringing to the title of the seer, and she uh, is drinking out of the horn of plenty. I'm so glad you found that, man. Yep. That's so like I. That's really weird that you thought of that and found it. Like I was looking everywhere for that particular clip. Holy craziness. What is happening? <laughs> well, it's all that about synchronicity, awesome. man. Well, that's the end of my slides. And what I just wanted to wrap up by saying, uh, and actually that clip was the perfect way to finish that bit. It's just, you know, I'm not showing you guys footage of Queen Elizabeth, like, you know, drinking children's blood or something like that, because you're never going to get that footage of anything like that. What we're saying is we're talking about the pecking order of something that was here well before any of us got mm -hmm. here. And this is the way I think about it, is that I showed up here 40 years ago, okay? I turned 40 this year, and I realized as a young kid, there was a whole world here before I got here. And that is what got me interested in studying history, right out of the gate. I wanted to know, well, what kind of a world was before I got here? And then I grew up, watched Indiana Jones and all that shit, and I was like, oh, there's like mysteries and all this stuff, and... Um, and, and this is why I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy reading authors and books from people that are dead and gone. You know, they wrote it in the early 1900s or 1800s or 1700s, or going back and trying to talk to different uh, interpreters of ancient scripts and scrolls and texts and just learning, like, what was the mind of that medieval person? What was the mind of these ancient Egyptians? What was the mind of the, and where did this all come from? And it would all be irrelevant if it wasn't relevant to the people who are literally the most powerful, wealthy, influential people walking the face of this planet to this day. So something about the ancient world is extremely important to the media companies that are advertising uh, everything from toothpaste to cars to just, I always tell people, if you want to get into symbolism and just have a curious moment, <laughs> Look at car companies. Find any car company and tell me that that shit isn't derived from the ancient symbolic library of the stellar cult. You've got your Dodge Ram. Well, what's the Ram? I'm the Ram. Aries, the Ram, right? The Ram.
uh, you've got the Audi, the Four Rings, right? The uh, Subaru is a good one. It's actually a, a constellation. Saturn, it's called Saturn for crying out. Like It's so obvious when you get into it. McDonald's, the two golden arches. Where do we have golden arches? That comes out of ancient Druidism, which was taken in by Masons. The, the golden arch, you walk through it every time you go into a church. So they made a hamburger company that started as some guy selling hamburgers on the side of the street, which became the most popular hamburger chain on the world, um, which is now poisoning the human population. Golden arches, yeah. Genetically modified crap that's not even food. We don't even know if it's real at all. Um, and that is the golden arches where you go. You have a calling as a being, a spiritual being first, to go to a sacred place to have a spiritual experience because that's why you came to this planet. And what they did was they hijacked your life path. Why are you depressed? Why are you wondering why life doesn't have enough in it? Because you've been, all of your spiritual energies have been deviated from a natural organic spiritual course into all of these false cults and altars and temples that were made. Is there anything evil about a temple? No, a temple could be a forest in your backyard. That's where my temple is. Um, and the first temples were trees, by the way. That's mm -hmm. why they make the big cathedrals as big as they do. It's the, the cathedrals that are just so beautiful uh, all over Europe that I've been through are really just houses for the right brain so that when you go in there, it just activates another level in you, right? Um, it could also be the Mother Circe Church where she brings you into the temple and poisons you and then eats you alive. There's always that. But uh, the, the symbolic thing is what I'm talking about is that they hijack high spiritual traditions. And that's what you need to, this is the number one thing that is the mistake that is made in the so-called conspiracy research movement is that they start looking at symbols as, oh my God, it's, evil. it's a golden arch. It's evil. No, pirates stole that from you. You are the That's golden it. arch. You have a golden arch in you. There's a golden arch over the, the heavens. Have you seen it? It's the, the arm of the Milky Way galaxy to tell you. You are in an infinite experience here, and that means there's infinite possibilities. But they want to lock you into a cage, and they want to keep your mind in a cage because they can't have too many moving pieces on the chessboard, or they're not going to be able to control jack shit. So it's, it's actually a very simple reason why these pirates and plunderers stole what they could never create themselves. They, these psychopaths, psychopathy doesn't come with empathy. Okay, that's the definition of psychopathy. There's no mm -hmm. empathy. There's no, there's nothing there. Empathetic centers of the brain are cut off. They're in darkness, the darkness of the mind. The neurons aren't firing in those sections of the brain. They don't have empathy. What else do you lose when you lose empathy? You lose creativity. That's right. Those two come as a package. Empathy and creativity are buddies. Okay. And so they can't create anything. I'm telling you, in my opinion, what is the biggest secret? It's the it's the Achilles heel to this evil empire. The Achilles heel to the evil empire is that they can't create shit. And they know you can. And that's why they did LSD experiments on you for many decades. That's why they did all those mind control experiments on you. That's why they created all the decorations of what would attract your creative, empathetic consciousness so that you are creating something, but are you creating your life? Are you creating a better world for your fellow man? Or are you creating the world they want you to create? Because they're, it's like a mousetrap. You're now going through their mazes 
getting hit by their little electrical charges. Don't go down that road. Those are the conspiracy people that are challenging our authority. <laughs> yeah, we are. Now we're just getting warmed up. And so they want you to be a part of their cult by hook or by crook. Ugh, they will bring you into their on. cult and you have to say no, say no. Okay. Hold on one second. Let me bring this up. David, I want to bring this up. Are you, are you, do you have YouTube pulled up or rumble pulled up so you can see the screen? I'm going to pull YouTube right now. Okay. Cause I'm going to show something to you that validates everything that you just said. And it is an incredibly popular symbol in modern day. And I want to break this down for everybody just a little bit, okay? In the sense of how they've hijacked your traditions. They've taken and perverted and inverted various different symbology. And when you see this symbol, everybody's going to be like, I know what that is. Now, in the 1960s, when a lot of this psychological um, research was actually happening, the LSD test, uh, the Travis Stock Institute, all these different things, MK Ultra is they realized how to basically begin the manipulation process of human beings. Um, a lot of this came out of Laurel Canyon in California. And mm, Laurel from, Canyon. Right, oh, Laurel Canyon, right? Laurel Canyon. And they started basically putting media campaigns out there to, to bring people to these points of ignorance and nescience about our traditions, our history, and so on and so forth. One of the ways that they did this in the 1960s was by making the NFL, which was becoming and growing in popularity, on Sundays. What this did is it began to pull the male parent out of church and out of the household and to begin the destructuring of the nuclear family. Mm. Now, if I asked anybody three years ago, the reason I say three years ago is because the team has changed cities. What was the most popular team in the NFL that was absolutely horrible at football, but it was still the most popular team in the NFL, primarily to minorities, and sold the most merch. I honestly don't know. I wasn't a football fan. I was watching the Blue Jays back then. Was that the 90s? Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Now, check out their symbol. Okay, I got it right here. Oh, my God. So you got your shield. You got the X marks the spot, the two swords. You got the black eye patch on the right eye. You have the black line over the helmet covering up the third eye. His left eye is closed also. His left eye is closed also. This is representing the ignorance of humanity, the hijacking of humanity, as well as it is in the three-pointed shield representing now the shield is of blackness, so there's no protectors over the realm that they rule over the realm of protection, that they have hijacked the mysteries, they have severed the head, X marks a spot, control the zodiac, they have sealed the eye, they have covered the knowledge. How symbolic is that? That's incredible. And as I'm looking at it, who were the first raiders? They the were. pirates, the piratical families. They're, th this is what your politicians are doing to you now. This is what yep. these royal elites, this is what these banksters, this is what all these cabals, whatever you want to call them, this is what they do. They plunder, they raid, they steal, they thieve, and they don't give a shit about it. And you're right. If they're trying to distract, because what is your attention? Your, your attention. You have, we're paying attention right now, right? Hopefully, right. <laughs> Hopefully we haven't been too boring. You're paying attention, which means your consciousness is zeroing in 
you're listening to people talk. Um, but if they can deviate your attention to something that isn't going to benefit your life, I'm hoping this knowledge, if anything else, at least it helped. I hope somehow it benefits you. Like that's my goal is to communicate it to you. Right. Um, otherwise what would be the point? But if they're trying to deviate your attention from things that really would matter to you of you actualizing your potential and making something of yourself, um, and, and having your own wealth and your own life and your own freedom, and you can deviate the attention to something. There's nothing wrong with sports. I like to zoom out on the sports once in a while, but what you've seen is they knew how to create an obsession out of it mm -hmm. where again, yeah, the Sunday, Sunday, there's your son, the moon day, Monday, right. You can go through, um, Sunday was the, the day of rest, the day of worship, the day of venerating, uh, the divine and no matter what culture you, I mean, some cultures do sat, it doesn't matter, but they take the sacred day, especially in the West and they turn it into a sports extravaganza day. Dude, and so now your attention has been deviated to them instead of what you should be focusing on. Well, okay. So do you remember earlier when you were talking about the star of David and you said, it's actually the star of Atan, right? And the, this is where the Adonis come from. Now, what is the day of atonement? The day of atonement. Yeah. Do you know, know that, you know what the day of atonement is? It's the it? Sabbath. Oh, okay. Yeah, Saturn right. day. What is the, the symbol of Saturn? The same star. I just, I love the parallels and the connection. The day oh, of atone, atonement, atone, A-T-O-N. Yep. The, the Adonis, the day of atonement, Saturday, the Sabbath, Saturn and the connection to the star of David, the star of atone. It, I mean, dude, it's just how it's you endless. can connect this shit. It just blows my mind. And it's not just, some people will say, well, when it comes to symbolism, you're just reading into it. You're, you're superimposing your worldview on the symbol. Mm -hmm. You could always make that argument. However, it's when you take the time to learn what these symbols meant to ancient peoples right. originally, and then what they mean to these alpha lodges and these elites. And that's the difference. And you can track it. There are people that track this stuff. Nicholas Hagar, Michael Tessarian, all these people, they spend their lives, they use their creative energy to track these people and then document it. And then you can go verify it for yourself. So you, they, the, the, thing about, the thing about these tyrants is they do love to brag, don't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, why conquer the world unless you can get some kudos for it? What would be the real point? If you're just getting the applause in secret somewhere, like you, you have to have ways if you're a megalomaniacal psychopath of getting work. Remember, these people want your worship, 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 worship. What, what is, what, well, hold on, hold on. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that the perspective of the English language, especially when we start talking about um, King James English versions, interpretations of the Bible, like right. words like worship. Now, what's a warship in modern day if we're going to talk about military? You would know about this. Well, I was in the United States Navy and a warship is the defensive mechanism of the waters. Now, now the queen... Now rules over the waters which rise above the land, right? The law of the water rises above the law of land, which means that the queen is above the people, okay? She is the, the head of the garter, okay? The Knights of Garter, which is representative by the water. We had the blue color we were just talking about earlier, okay? So when we start to think about this, 
is man, I, I'm I'm losing my train of thought. But uh, okay, worship, water, worship, 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 worship. Yeah, there it is, there worship. The warship is the defense of the water. Okay, right. defense of the water, typically from other ships or from land, from Earth. Okay, so what do the people on the land do? They worship an idol, ideology. Why? Because it protects the secrets of the water. It protects the secrets and the rulers of over the water. And, and so then, then and the people believe they're worshiping yeah. their protector, their mother, the sacred mother, the sacred father. Yep. You get the father pope and the mother queen, right? So that's the parents. In psychology, you have the, uh, you know, there's a whole psychological complex with mom and dad, right? Yep. And if you haven't become an individuated adult and you haven't matured, then you will always be looking for a mommy daddy figure, right? This they know this is basic psychology. So if they can become the stand-in, the vicars of of the of that, if they can become parents for you, then you will worship them and protect them because you believe they are doing what a parent does for you, which is providing for you, protecting for you training you for life, all those things. So instead of becoming an adult, now you have a whole civilization that's in arrested development that is looking to these figures, external figures, as being the new parental kings and queens that will save the day, the savior complex. And those people, the cultists, will defend the cult leader to the death. I don't know if you've noticed how many people will desperately defend that rag they put over their face, uh, which to me is just a symbol of subservience. It has nothing to do with right. stopping. And all I'm talking about is similarity of words, people. Okay. Right. Because words are symbols and words matter. The other aspect of this is what does the wolf do to the sheep? It preys on them, right? Now, what is right. one of the most common words utilized in modern day worship is the word pray, Right. We must pray. We must pray. This word has a negative connotation in regular English language. Worship has a negative connotation. This is what we talk about when these people go in there and they pervert and invert. Yeah. They hijack symbology. Words are symbols. We must understand this. So, um, pretty dude this was i think we've jumped enough on people I mean, there's so yeah. much and joe as i was going through this i had to filter so many things out i'd be like i'll be there for 10 hours oh, you know how many um, rabbit holes so, we could have went on oh dude and <laughs> i knew with coming on with you you know all the, a lot of this stuff too we could have a lot of conversations but for for you know we'll do more on this stuff but guys i hope we gave you enough you go chew on this bone and go see what you can find because the minute you start looking at symbolism, number 10 Downing Street, go look mm -hmm. at that. Go look at the just the symbols all over the bucket. 10 Palace. days of the go, funeral. Let's follow this king. I want to see what's going to go down with this king shit. Right? And 10, by the way, is king. completion. Yeah, right. The completion of the cycle. And, and the starting of a new age, the dawn of a new day. Yep. I just gave you something there. The dawn of a new day. That is an ancient, ancient. It's actually one of the slogans of both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama for their political campaigns. Um, it's used in all kinds of commercials. It's an ancient motif. It's a communist uh, thing with the communist symbol as well. The dawn of a new day. Um, the, again, just start 
you're going to pull a thread. It's going to become a rope and then a chain. And then you're going to have all kinds of stuff pulled into your living room, but keep following up on it. Um, nobody has the final word on it, but you know, just keep an open mind and let's investigate this together. Let's track all this stuff together and see what happens. And a good thing to start tracking is yes, the symbols, yes, the phrases, yes, the little freaky deaky ritual ceremonies, but track the dates that things mm -hmm. happen, the dates and the timestamps. If people could get out there and start doing that of when, like right now, everybody should be all over the exact date and time that the announcement was made of the queen's death and then the exact date and time of when they are going to crown the new king and the ex and just keep doing that because the, the reason I'm saying to do movie. that is because these people follow those things and you'll start to be able to see patterns. And then when certain Olympic closing ceremonies or the opening of this or that, or the new film comes out or whatever, uh, or world events or terrorist attacks or new virus release dates or new vaccine rollout dates, Pay attention to it because these people are very ritualistic and they're trying to get you in on a ritual. And if we track them and notice the pattern, uh, you can find out a lot from that. So that's my recommendation. I'm, I'm looking up the coronation date for King Charles right now. Um, when will it officially be crowned? Um, I believe it's, it's, it's within that 10 days, but I would assume it would have happened on the new moon. Um, yeah, he'll have an official. I bet you it's kind of like a. Yeah, they'll like have a ceremonial frame, official. Public one. Yep. The public one. But um, yeah, guys, so uh, for everybody out there on the social red pill, if you don't know what that is, socialredpill.com, it's our private social network. If you guys wanting to jump it on a chat, we're not going to do a YouTube after chat. So no YouTube after chat, uh, which is a private after chat. We are going to do, or I'm at least going to do it. I don't know if David wants to join, but I'm going to go on there. I'm going to open up the Zoom. On socialredpill.com, I'm going to throw that link out to everybody on the platform who's a member, and we can all jump in the Zoom, and we can have some fun after talk and after chat. I'm going to probably have a drink or something because I, after that show, I need one. Uh, <laughs> I got like a thousand tabs open, tons of notes. I got all my notebooks out now. But uh, we're going to do that uh, on the Social Red Pill. So if you're a member of the Social Red Pill in 30, uh, about 20 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, uh, we're going to jump on that Zoom. You guys can start jumping in right now. If you want to go on there, it's the one on socialredpill.com. I can kind of so show people how to get into their socialredpill.com. If you go into the socialredpill.com and you log in, all right, you log into the socialredpill.com. If you go on the left-hand side where it says events right there, events, you click on that events tab, you're going to see social red pill zoom, social red pill zoom. You click on that, and it's going to open up a Zoom link, and you can go in there, open that up, and that should be available to everybody. Either way, I'm going to put the link in the feed bar so everybody has that and everybody can join in. So if you're on the social red pill, you guys want to do it after chat, we'll be doing it on there. But there will be no live YouTube streaming tonight uh, on that after chat. But it will be open to everybody on the social red pill. So just uh, encouragement to go out there, join that. And uh, David, much love, man. That was freaking awesome. Absolutely that was fantastic. Fun, man. Thank you so much. I honestly, I would love to come on an after oh, chat. Late. I've got to take care of my kids. Um, but guys, thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks for having me. Just on wealth of knowledge. Let's keep meeting of the minds. Figure all this stuff out. Let me know if there's any good questions or comments in your after chat, Josh. We'll do. And um, I look forward to seeing you. If you guys want to follow my podcast, my work, 
You can get me at dwtruthwarrior.com. It'll lead you to all the different places. If you want to check out my new documentary series that's focusing on the ancient occult roots of the Western or the modern medical industrial complex, the series is called The Cult of the Medics. I put it out for free. Eight chapters is out there right now. You can download it. You can watch it. You can share it. Yep. And um, if you want to get literally the gem of archives of this type of knowledge and information that you literally can't find anywhere else, um, you can go to a premium, our premium uh, mystery school online with Michael Desarian, unslave.com. There's a treasure trove of stuff there. And uh, that's where you can find all my work. But thank you, Josh. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope I gave you guys some things to think about today. Awesome, David. And then for everybody out there, his links are in the chat as well. They are linked up in the description on whatever platform that you're watching on. Um, and he's also linked up on redpills.tv. But he, it's in the description of the chats as well as if you go to the YouTube page, some of the links that we were talking about for Michael Tessarian's work, particularly for... Um, a few articles that David mentioned. These are yeah, those are up for free on his website. That's right. All those for free. Yeah. The femaleilluminati.com article is up there, and his website, michaeltasarian.com, is up there in the YouTube description. So you guys can find that there if you guys want to go check out Michael. Um, but much love, respect, God bless everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great night.